Animaniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and I have to thank my buddies Zach and Lucas. Do you know why I'm thanking Zach and Lucas? I am thanking them because they are backing me on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash phantom troublemaker. And the rewards, you can go check them out right now. And Lucas and Zach are both fully paid up patrons of Phantom Troublemaker, of Needless Things, and of all the stuff that I do. And you too can go and help out the show uh, look at the different reward levels, and one of those reward levels includes a shout-out on the show once a month when I do this segment. Uh, so seriously, you guys, thank you so much for supporting the show. I hope you enjoyed your rewards. Just to, to read out some of the stuff that's available at the highest level, which is $30 and up, uh, what you will have every single month you will be entered into a monthly contest to win a piece of original art from me. I have, I, I draw. Uh, I, I'm not awesome, but I'm better than not good. And uh, over the years, I have built up quite a collection of drawings. And every month, I'm going to give one away to one of the patrons. You will also have access to my patron-only feed. Now, this comes with everything $5 and up. Uh, this includes reviews, commentary, and pictures that I will not post on other social media, as well as special vintage Troublemaker posts that will not appear on Needless Things. Now, I will admit to you guys, I have not super been keeping up with this. Every once in a while, I'll put up a patron post, uh, usually an update on how things are going. Uh, every once in a while, a, a picture. I need to get on this more. But I feel like the big draw for the $5 and up level is the special monthly, and so far it's been more than monthly, behind-the-scenes show where I will discuss life, the universe, and everything, as well as updates on projects and the process of creating. That, to me, is the big deal because I've been doing right around half an hour. I've done two of them now, two patron casts, and you can only hear those, and they're just like what you're listening to right now, except I don't do ads or anything, obviously, because uh, anybody that's listening to them has already given me money. So... Uh, about half an hour of just talking about what's going on. And the only way you can access those is to be uh, contributing $5 or more a month to patreon.com slash phantom troublemaker. Uh, and then you can also get a producer credit on the show or an ad on the site. Uh, you can get the Needless Things Mystery Box. That's one that's just for the $30 and up patrons where every single month... I will send you a box full of goodies from around the Phantom Zone. Decades of dorkery have left me with tons of cool uh, tchotchkes, extras, mint-in-box toys, comic books, all kinds of crazy stuff is laying around here. Movies, music, all kinds of stuff. Uh, and it's... Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to post a picture right now on Patreon of what was in the uh the mystery box that went out for may or i'm sorry for april 
and you guys can check it out and see if that sort of thing appeals to you. Obviously, it's not going to be the same thing every time, and no two boxes will be the same because it's not like I have a deal with some toy company or something. This is all just stuff that I've got sitting around uh, taking up space. It's cool stuff, but I just don't have anywhere to put it. So you guys can get in on it, and I guarantee it's going to be way more than $30 worth of stuff. Uh, it's going to be a cool little surprise box that you can get in on. Uh, you'll also have dibs on any merchandise I produce. Uh, you'll have a say in what kind of t-shirts we make. We are getting close to producing t-shirts for the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show. Uh, you guys can have first access to those shirts. And just stuff like that. I don't want to go on and on and on because I don't want people to tune out of the intro because I've got other things I want to talk about. But if you dig the show, the number one thing you can do is share it. Share it on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, a picture of you listening to the Needless Things podcast, whatever. Spread the word. Uh, just get more people listening to the show. Go to iTunes and rate it. Subscribe. Apparently, that's very important. Uh, it, we're available on iTunes and on Stitcher. Uh, Downcast? I don't even know what that is, but apparently we're on there. So just spread the word about the show. And once again, thank you, Zach. Thank you, Lucas. You guys rock. And I, uh, you don't even know how much I appreciate your support. Uh, and we have other supporters as well, but they didn't quite make it to the on-show acknowledgement level. But you guys, uh, I love you guys too, and I appreciate your support as well. And I hope you dig your rewards that went out. And I will be sending out May's rewards. You have until May 31st to get on board for May's rewards. And uh, I'll be sending those out. Now that I understand the process a little more than I did uh, at the beginning of this month, I'll be getting those out right after the beginning of June because now I get it. All right, let's move on to other things because I, I don't want to uh, shill myself anymore. I had a fantastic day today, and I'm going to talk about that. So if you guys want to hear about a great day, a little sip of unsweetened tea right there because I'm being healthy today. So I, I don't even have any alcoholic beverage in my unsweetened tea right now. That may change later, after I finish this up, but uh, this morning, woke up, uh, awakened by my lovely wife, and we spent some time together, uh, hung out for a little while, and then went and got breakfast at a place over by, I, I had to, there are just a couple of mall stops that I had to make today. Even though the mall is a depressing dirt hole now, uh, it's still somewhere where it's just, certain things you have to get it's just a convenient place to do it so we went out to not the closest one really but one that i worked at for years so it's just that's it's where i go we don't really have a mall close to us but uh gwinnett place mall went over there and ate at a place called the georgia diner which i haven't been to in years we went in, and uh, it's a little weird. It's got an odd vibe in there, but it's your typical diner-type place. Like, I think there are diner franchises, and in certain areas, you've just got a bunch of diners that maybe are owned by the same people. I don't know, whatever. George Diner, we went in, and I, was, I sat down, and believe me, you guys, I wanted to order a big, fat patty melt on rye bread with a giant pile of either hash browns or french fries, uh, cheese, onions, a Diet Coke, all of that stuff. That's all I wanted to sit down and just stuff my face with that shit. But 
as we all know, because I, I've been talking about it a lot, it's only eight days ago, so you got to give me a break here. Uh, I'm recording this on the 18th. Eight days ago, I turned 40. I'm sure I'm going to mention it a few more times over the coming months, and I apologize because it really shouldn't be as big a deal as I'm kind of making it, but because it, it's just a number, and it's not like it's 42, so what are you going to do? Uh, but I'm very conscious of what I eat and my health and my body, and I looked at the menu, and I got myself a Mediterranean omelet. I did not order the grits and biscuits and toast and, and whatnot that came with it. I got four tomato slices on the side. That was my side. Yeah. And an unsweetened iced tea. And is it weird that you have to say unsweetened tea? Shouldn't I just be able to say tea or iced tea? But no, you have to specify. I want unsweetened iced tea. Uh, weird. Anyway, uh, that's the South. I, I Yes, I understand for those of you who are talking to uh, your car stereo or your earbuds or whatever right now, even though I can't hear back. I understand I'm in the South, and that's how it is. And I've lived here my whole life, uh, but it's just odd. So anyway, this is what I ate for breakfast, and it was very filling. I wasn't disappointed when I was done, but I also didn't have that stuffed gut feeling where I just wanted to go lay down in a comfortable, warm place and sleep, just fall into a deep food coma. Uh, I felt energized and invigorated and great, and I understand the eggs and the omelet, also not the best thing in the world, but that's a pretty darn good breakfast, early in the day breakfast. So we had that. And my mission, one of my missions, was to buy a new pair of shoes because, unfortunately, I am getting old and decrepit, and my back, uh, I can't deal with cool young guy shoes anymore. Uh, Vans and Pumas have been my shoe of choice for decades, which has probably contributed to this back thing that I've been experiencing. If I walk around for any amount of time in some just flat shoes with no support in them, my back starts to hurt, which is so pathetic and old, but that's how it is. So I had to go get some new shoes, and I want New Balance shoes because that's what I walk in. I, I've mentioned before to you guys how I go walk in the park. Uh, I wear New Balance shoes, and I love them. So I wanted to get a new pair to have as my regular shoe shoes because I don't get to wear cool shoes anymore. I have to wear old man shoes so we went to sears which is where i got my last pair and granted that was like five years ago or more at least yeah it was about five years ago because i wore them on our last trip to walt disney world when little troublemaker or excuse me phantom jr was three so we go into sears and i have no hopes i i figure they don't even have shoes anymore who knows we walk in I uh, look around the shoes, no shoes, and I ask a lady, or uh, I'm sorry, they have shoes, no New Balance shoes. And I ask a lady standing there, I was like, do you have New Balance? She's got, she says, we've only got a very few left. Uh, I don't know what kind of accent I just did. I'm sure it wasn't the one she had. She said, we've only got a very few left. Uh, I got some the other day for $17. Wow, great. Well, then that you almost certainly will not have anything in my size or anything that I would be willing to wear. Like, all they're going to have is teal and yellow in a size 13 or a nice gray or black or something, but it's going to be a size 7. That's how my luck goes. Uh, and, and no, I would not wear teal and yellow shoes. 
So we look around, and sure enough, they've got a size 13. What? What's happening? Can't believe it. They're black. Size 13 black, and they're not black like the orthopedic-style work shoe. Uh, they're black with some silver and some gray. They look pretty cool. Uh, like, I dig these shoes. I will wear these shoes. And I think, well, uh, they're not going to fit. I'm going to try them on, and, and they're not. They're just not going to work. They're not going to be the right thing. I try them on. They fit great. Okay, well, they're not going to be on clearance. They're going to be the full $65 price and go up to the front. And I'll spare you guys the rest of the details. The lady was really, really nice. These things wouldn't ring up. And we ended up paying about 30 bucks for these shoes, which is fantastic for me because I'm a cheap ass and I don't like spending money on shoes, especially old man shoes that are not cool. So I got my shoes. Uh, once once in a lifetime shoe find, I feel, because I had to have these new shoes and it did not I, I would not pay sixty five dollars for a pair of sneakers. That's not going to happen. So super lucky. Great time. So I had a great breakfast, I had a great shoe experience. Next we were intending to go to Movie Stop because if you guys don't know, Movie Stop is liquidating or or at least will be soon. And they've got tons of toys because they think Geek bought them to use them as brick and mortar, but I guess it's not going so well. And they're liquidating all the Movie Stop stores. So we're going to run over to Movie Stop, but in doing so, we went near Toys R Us, and this is what uh, toy nerd I am. I just turned into Toys R Us without even thinking about it because I'm so used to going there when I'm in that area. I just turned in, and my wife is like, what? What's going on? I was like, holy shit, I didn't even realize it. Well, we're here. Let's go in. We go into Toys R Us, and they've got a couple of things for Phantom Jr. that he's been looking for. And they have, at long last, uh, one of the G.I. Joe 50th anniversary uh, Real American Hero sets, which doesn't make any sense because it's not the 50th anniversary of Real American Hero. It's the 50th anniversary of G.I. Joe. So Hasbro should have put out some nice 12-inch, six-scale figures uh, but instead they released some, a bunch of repainted real American hero stuff. Some of it was retooled. The only thing worthwhile really was the gung ho that they did, which my dumbass didn't buy. Cause I was like, I've already got a gung ho, but the new gung ho looks so much better than the old one, but he is gone. So I'm going to have to hunt that one down. But anyway, one of the sets that they did, one of the big vehicle sets they did is a black sky striker and an orange hiss tank. I love this orange his tank, and the Sky Striker is one of my favorite vehicles, uh, pr- probably ever, let alone from the GI Joe line. But I just—it was sixty-five bucks when it came out, and I couldn't. Ju- what if? Yeah, I just noticed that sixty-five bucks—that was the the original retail price of the day because the shoes were supposed to cost that as well. So. 65 bucks for this thing, and I never could justify it. Because I do, I don't have an orange hiss tank, but I've got several hiss tanks. I don't have a black sky striker, but I've got a sky striker. And, uh, and I even sold the Starscream sky striker. Starscream sky striker, say that five times fast, that I had because I just didn't need it. But this thing was on clearance. I had birthday money, I had Jeffrey Bucks, and I said, fuck it, it's time to get this set. So, I get this G.I. Joe set that I've been eyeing since it came out. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I wanted it. I wanted to own it. It was just a matter of I I just can't justify it. So I justified it today, brought it home, and just, man, it just had a nice, relaxed, fun day. Uh, We got home and tried to watch Amy Schumer 
and she's not this third season is not going so well i'm not gonna talk a bunch of shit because i still think she's a funny lady but i'm not digging her show this season uh what i do dig we watched sisters last night which is tina fey and amy poehler and that movie is great it's hilarious it's not your typical modern comedy it's kind of like an 80s movie but it's starring 40 year olds and it works. I really, really liked the tone of it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Tina Fey plays a very different character from what you're used to seeing from her. I just, I dug it. I really, really dug it. And I hope we see more movies out of them. I, I think they've done other movies, and now I need to go check them out. But they are the two funniest ladies on the face of the earth, I think. So, yeah, sisters, good. Thumbs up. Gets my recommendation. If you're looking for a comedy, check it out. Alright, so I have gone way long in this intro talking about my great day, but as you can probably tell, I'm excited. I'm happy I had a great day, and I'm happy I'm recording now for you guys. So what are you going to be listening to today? I probably should have said that at the beginning of the intro, but sometimes I have other things to talk about. DC Comics, next week, next Wednesday, or technically, well no, it is Wednesday, but Tuesday at midnight, uh, Tuesday going into Wednesday, you will be able to go to your local comic book shop if they decide to open at midnight and purchase DC Rebirth number one. DC Rebirth is yet another reboot of the DC Universe, which I, I don't have a problem with because the New 52 uh, was a sack of turds, uh, except for a few sparkling diamonds buried amongst the turds. It was pretty awful and has killed my enthusiasm for the dc comics universe well rebirth is happening and i don't know that it's a fix but several parts of it look like a step in the right direction and that is the topic of the show today myself and the lovely mike gordon are going to be talking about dc comics rebirth now before i get into that i have to mention something i'm going to give you guys a little teaser last week I interviewed a man named John Semper Jr. Some of you may know that he was the showrunner on Spider-Man the Animated Series, the 1990s Spider-Man cartoon, which is a hallmark of Spider-Man's place in entertainment and is to date the greatest adaptation of the comic book. This was huge. So he came on the show. We had a fantastic discussion, and I'm not going to tell you about anything that we talked about because it's all such good stuff. A lot of it took me by surprise, but he's very super nice guy. It's a great conversation. You're going to dig it. That's going to be up in a few weeks. But I have to tell you right now that John Simper Jr. is writing the new Cyborg comic for DC Rebirth. It's coming out in August. Mike and I did not discuss it. Because it's one of the August titles, it didn't feature very prominently in the book that we were going by, uh, and there just wasn't a big frame of reference for it. But I'm going to put it over now as part of the DC Rebirth episode because you guys need to check it out because John Semper Jr. is a crazy talented guy who understands these comic book characters. So go ahead and add Cyborg to your pull list for the DC Rebirth titles. I guarantee it's going to be a good one. I can't guarantee that DC is going to keep publishing it because their track record is not great for keeping great books going. But, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. John Semper Jr. on Cyborg. Check it out. And now it is time to talk to Howdy Mike Gordon about DC Comics Rebirth. 
Uh, it's time to talk about DC's rebirth. For the listeners, you know I'm talking to Mike Gordon. Howdy. Of the ESO Network of New Legend Productions. Mike, is always uh, great to have you on the show. Your insight is always welcome and entertaining. Uh, I appreciate that. I, it's a, it's uh, always uh, a thrill to be on with you, and I mean that uh, sincerely. Um, and congratulations for uh, crossing over the 100 mark. I know yeah. you're, you know, you take it from me, was, you know, when we do the episodes and you have those anniversary ones, you're kind of like, oh, that's pretty cool, but it's a big deal. I mean, it says a lot about, you know, commitment and trying to get something out there and, and getting it done. Uh, a lot of people don't even come close to making that part. Yeah, and, and that was something I was kind of thinking about when we hit that centennial was, you know, how many shows get started and, and don't even make it to 20. Absolutely. You know, I'll do this a few times and... uh well, nobody's listening, and uh, uh, not going to stop me. I don't <laughs> care if nobody's listening. <laughs> no, we've got. I know that we have have plenty of listeners out there, and I appreciate every each and every one of you guys for tuning in every week. Every week, how did that happen, Mike Gordon? Uh, it's crazy, <laughs> absolutely crazy. Uh, so, for my part. As as with probably most people around our age, Batman was my portal into DC because of, you know, when I was a kid watching the Batman, the Adam West Batman television show, uh, and from there, just Batman's always been a part of my life. And then Christopher Reeve's Superman movie uh, sort of brought something else in, and as far as actually reading the comic books... Somewhere around the mid-80s, I started picking up Batman comics from time to time. And I would say, because I, I was an Uncanny X-Men guy, like that was my gateway into actually collecting sequential comics every month. I probably didn't really get into buying Batman regularly until 1989 when the movie came out. And I started just buying everything that I could that was Batman. And I don't know that that's when I started buying DC Comics regularly, but that was definitely the the starting line, I guess, for me of, of getting in, engrossed into DC's multiverse, universe, whatever the case may be. But I definitely, I mean, X-Men was my world. So I am not a DC historian. I don't while I am aware of the big events and what have happened, and I know all the characters because you, you can't be a nerd and not know all the characters, but I can't sit down and t tell you about the DC universe, uh, like, uh, who, which I would have loved to have him on the show, but the, the scheduling wouldn't have worked out. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Schweck, that's on the show all the time. That guy is an encyclopedia and I'm not that I, I'm pretty good about Marvel's side of things, but DC, I love it. And I love that it's a little more fantastical. I love that we have Gotham City and Metropolis instead of New York and Chicago because, for me, it's easier to suspend my disbelief when the world is different from ours. And I know that some of our cities do exist in the DC Universe, but to me, it's it's a better place of fiction than Marvel's Universe. And it seems to have a, a richer history so that's how i feel about dc as of today what about you mike well um my history with dc probably stems from uh growing up watching uh batman the animated series not 
that we know it as today, the animated series, but back then, the actually we could just call it Batman the cartoon, the, the filmation one, right? That one, as well as Super Friends, uh, Batman sixty six was we didn't call it that then either. We just called it Batman. Um, was <laughs> yeah was uh it was in heavy syndication. Um, I grew up. My two favorite, and they're still to this day, my two favorite superheroes are Batman and Spider-Man. And uh, I don't know if it was because of Super Friends or or just, you know, the way the coin tossed early on. But I just, you know, as a, the Marvel books were there, the DC books were there, but I just felt myself gradually going more and more towards the DC books. Uh, I liked Batman, and I still read Spider-Man. But Spider-Man was the only title that I would read from Marvel, whereas DC, I would get Batman, I would get Teen Titans, I would get Justice League, I would get Wonder Woman, um, a few other titles here and there. Those were my mainstays. Um, I really loved the idea of the multiverse. Uh, back then, it was just a, you know, uh, Silver Age had already happened. We were just in the early stages, I think, of what now is referred to as the Bronze Age where I think one of my first issues of Justice League was a crossover between JSA and, and JLA. And, um, and it was really, you know, really awesome. I like the fact that they, there were just different Earths that had different things playing out. Um, and I was not one of the ones that was clamoring for a crisis. Um, as much as I love that event and I was there throughout every single issue, um, I was not a big fan of the end result being one Earth. One universe, that's it. And right. in my opinion, DC has been paying for that mistake over and over and over and over again with constant events and relaunches and reboots and whatever you want to call it. Now they're calling it a rebirth. Um, I, 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 you know, they just recently brought the multiverse back, but I still don't know. I don't think they know how to handle it. Um, I was excited about the new 52. We covered it in detail on, uh, Earth Station One podcast. We got, I got all 52 titles. And as the, as the issues went on, I got less and less of those 52 <laughs> titles. As um, did we all. <laughs> and I don't think any of us expected that the new 52 was actually just going to be 52 issues. <laughs> and then they were going to start again with something else. I, I'm glad you brought up Super Friends because I glossed over. Super Friends, and it's interesting that that might be something worth looking at down the road as to why I hold that separately for some reason. Uh, it was the first team up of heroes that I'd seen. Yeah, um, and, and, and it's a, it's to this day, it's a really fun cartoon and one of the better superhero cartoons. Even though it is very kid friendly, <laughs> it's a great superhero cartoon yeah. that uses DC's characters well. I think. Yeah, and it and it showed, you know, I mean they they were there were some disagreements here and there, but it was kinda like, you know, when you're watching Star Trek, the main crew got along. Like it, every once in a while you get some guy who would just have an attitude and then they'd be dealt with in an episode. But by and large it wasn't like you know, when two heroes met in D C they were like, Hey, how's it going? Uh let's uh, work together. Right. It was typical like in Marvel when two heroes, quote unquote heroes met, they beat the snot out of each other until they finally decided, Oh wait, we're on the same side. Right. Um and that position has kind of changed around a little bit as well, but um I think the that Super Friends 
opened up the DC universe to me so that uh, I, without a doubt, I mean, as much as Batman and Spider-Man were cool, without a doubt, the most, uh, probably the most uh, biggest character that came out of Super Friends and then later on when she had her own show was Wonder Woman. Um, and I was one of the few guys I knew that didn't mind getting the Wonder Woman comic every once in a while. I didn't subscribe to it or anything, but because at that time it was still kind of a cross to bear if you did that. Sure, sure. Um, I certainly wasn't going to walk around wearing a Wonder Woman t-shirt. Well, it's uh, funny because we all watched the the Linda Carter Wonder Woman TV show. Absolutely. Everybody watched. Everybody in the country watched that show. Yeah, yeah. And for some reasons other than the fact that it was a superhero show. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> to me, it was the best of both worlds. <laughs> Uh, but but no, um, I I that's why I have even stronger ties to Wonder Woman than I do for Superman, um, and it's probably one of the reasons why I enjoyed Batman v Superman so much is because I like two out of the three depictions, and that yes. was good enough for me. Um, and I'm very excited about. I think right now is a wonder. Pardon the pun, but a wonderful time to be a Wonder Woman fan. There's so much good stuff to look forward to. There's so much stuff that they're reprinting. There's so much stuff that's going on. Of course, she's got the movie coming out, but comic book wise, uh, and actually, her you know when we get to it, her her book and rebirth is probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. I, I would agree with that. Uh, well, it's okay. It's not the one I'm looking forward to the most, but. But I a, do feel it's the one with the best guarantee of quality. Uh, but we'll we'll get to that. First, uh, you also brought up the New 52, which I did not because it's... <laughs> well, you kind of have to going into Reaper. Uh, yeah, you do. Because if, it, if, if New 52 had really worked as well as they'd wanted it to, we would not have a Rebirth right now. And in my opinion, and I still hold this opinion... If DC had had the testicular fortitude to make the New 52 something more along the lines of the Earth-1 graphic novels, then I think it would have succeeded. Because if you go back and you read Batman Earth-1, Superman Earth-1, uh, and, and from what I hear, the new Wonder Woman by Grant Morrison, which I have not read yet, but apparently I have, I have read it. It, I, is, I, it is, it is up to par. And, and that's what I've heard is it's one of the best things Morrison's done in a while. It's very cohesive. It's it more traditional storytelling. I had to look and double check. Is this Grant Morrison that wrote this? You're right. The Grant Morrison? <laughs> and I think if they had severed ties, and just started a new universe, then they would have been more successful than than the Namby Pamby. Eh, maybe this happened, maybe it didn't. We'll figure it out. But if it did happen, it all happened in the span of five years. Like they they were ridiculous and immature the way they went about the New Fifty Two, and they obviously they know it, or they would not be attempting another. I mean, let's face it. This is a reboot, regardless well, of what they want to call it. Yeah, they've had they've had convergence, which was abysmal. That um, was terrible. And 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 it's easy to forget that they actually, you know, this is not the first. <laughs> right, ev- this right. is not the first event it's, after it's, you know the new fifty two. It's not they the do. first attempted apology. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but you know and we'll you know if we want to get into it the you know obviously the reason is the yeah, main wait, wait, wait. reason is i just i got i've got to interrupt you because i just came up with what i think is a pretty good analogy okay convergence was 
I'm sorry you didn't like it when I took a shit in your face. <laughs> Rebirth is, I'm sorry, I realize now I shouldn't have taken a shit in your face. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're done. Thanks for listening. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, it remains to be seen if I'm hopefully, right about that or not. Hopefully Rebirth is, you know, turning on the air freshener. Um <laughs> Uh, because there is, there's a lot of potential here. And obviously this is, this is, you know, editorial sales related. Uh, um, oh, for DC, sure. DC is hurting. Yes. I don't know what, I don't know. I haven't looked at the top 10 books and I don't know what, who's beating who as far as DC and Marvel well, goes. I mean, they're still beating the pants off everybody else. Mike, but... Mike you needn't look at the top 10 because <laughs> DC is not there. It's except amazing. Except for Dark Knight 3 when, when it actually does come out. That's amazing. Um, no, and, and I say that, uh, they, they may have a book in there here or there, but they're not winning. No, they're not winning. And they were new 52. They, they, you know, broke that top 10 and, and made it their own for yeah. a while. And it steadily went downhill from there. So this is obviously a, an attempt to, you know, once again, energize the, the franchise. And this is not a new concept. People say they're tired of events and they don't want this and they don't want events and all, they don't want reboots and rebirths and re whatever, you know, remakes. But the fact of the matter is, is it's a publishing thing. Like if a title's not doing well, you do one of two things. You cancel it or you put another creative team on it to do something different with it. Right. And very it, often when that new creative team comes on, and, and this is only in the last 20 or so years that this hasn't really happened as much, but everything changes entirely. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes when a new creative team, they'll just completely ignore what went on before. Correct. And why not? Because obviously what went on before was not working. Yes. So they'll come on and, you know, hey, if you like that one character from that the last year or so, well, suddenly he's nowhere to be found. You know, right. he's pulling a, uh, uh, I can't remember the, 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 the Cunningham kid's name, but, um, uh, the older brother to Richie. Um, oh, right. Yeah, I can't remember either. And there's a reason for that. Exactly. But he went upstairs and never came back. Never came back. Uh, entered the multiverse. My gosh, um, Mike, we are old because I bet a lot of people listening to this have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> that's probably now, let, true. Let me briefly explain the original. Was it the whole first season or was it just the first couple episodes of Happy Days? I believe it was just the first few episodes. Um, Richie Cunningham from Happy Days had an older brother. And he just, they didn't have anything for him, basically. Like, the writers didn't know what to do with him. And he went upstairs and never came back. <laughs> In one episode, he goes upstairs, and he's never heard from again. Yes. He's, he's stripped from the credits. Yeah. They never referred to him at all. Yeah. Um, he is just gone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, they didn't even try to mask it. Uh, no, which you know to what? explain it or whatever. But. Sometimes that's better than <laughs> the ridiculous contortions that writers and, and showrunners or, or comic publishers try to make to get rid of bad things that should never have happened. Sometimes you just say, fuck it. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and as a reader or a watcher or whatever, sometimes just let it go. And, and that's what, that's what DC's doing, and that's what Marvel's done as well. Um, you know, both companies do it. They get to a point where, you know, stuff isn't working. They could go on and keep trying to figure out some way, but obviously... It, they it, could it, keep it, Roman Reigns-ing it. <laughs> <laughs> He's become a verb. Um, 
even even for stuff that happened before he was born. Yes. Uh, uh, but uh, he exactly right though. They could keep doing that and no and and really just uh, um, really not doing anybody any favors. Or they can you know just reboot and if they make it story driven and make an event out of it, they get a few extra bucks, a lot yeah. more extra bucks. I mean. Yeah. Like everybody who's tired of events, don't buy them because get people who buy them. That's why they keep doing them, exactly um, and they're going right. to keep doing them. Like I don't see this ever stopping because there's going to be a time. There's always a time when either a title or a book just with the creative team going just kind of is, is stale. It doesn't know what it, what to do, and that's when you need new blood to come in and, and reinvigorate things. Um, well, and I'm not going to lie as jaded as i am about these big events i can't help but get excited because it is a promise of something new uh it is a changing in the paradigm and even if you're you're okay with what's going on it's exciting to see something happening things getting shaken up and there's hope yes like there's that hope that this could be good like, like, come on, please. I know that this character is capable of good things. Right. Somebody other than myself must understand this. <laughs> well, to uh, since we need to go ahead and get into it, into Rebirth itself. Now, the, the plan was to sit down with DC as, as a part of the hype for the Rebirth event. DC published their own separate edition of previews. The monthly catalog. The monthly catalog to hype it, and it's like a little magazine. And DC, in probably not the best example of them being really into this, not only published it two weeks after the regular issue of previews shipped, but they printed it in extremely short supply. So it didn't come out with the regular previews, and it's somewhat difficult to get, which is why, uh, Mike Gordon, you do not actually have an issue to follow along with, but that's okay, because I'm here for you. And we live in the digital age, so I have uh, yes, I have uh, a copy of it, if, even if it's out of slightly out of order, uh, page-wise. I, I do have a copy of it right here in front of me. Well, and the fir- what you don't have though are the first thirty-one pages of it that are a magazine, kind of like an old-school issue of. Well, I don't even know if they still make Wizard or not. I guess they do, uh, but it's kind of like an issue of Wizard magazine, uh, except that it's not kissing Image's ass. It's kissing DC's ass. I don't think there's a Witch's Magazine anymore. Is there not? Yeah, that would make sense. But anyway, it's it's magazine stuff. It's interviews with the creators. It's uh, hyping up each of the titles, explaining the new paradigms. And the important thing here is that first 31 pages covers most of the Rebirth titles, whereas the catalog portion is only covering what's coming out through June where we have July, August, and September of Rebirth titles launching. So what we're going to do today is kind of run down this catalog a little bit. We're going to talk about the characters that we love, what we hope might happen with Rebirth, and what we think of some of the creative teams that they've put on these books. But what I want to do first, this thing opens up with a letter from the DC CCO Jeff Johns. Now, I will say, 
for the most part, I adore Jeff Johns. He gave us some incredible Flash comics that I'm just now starting to read uh, on the advice of Mrs. Troublemaker, who does not read tons and tons of comics, but who knows everything about comics from working in a comic book shop for over 15 years now, and who loves Jeff Johns' run on Flash. And I would agree with her from reading the first trade collection. Uh, And also gave us Green Lantern Rebirth, which is what made me love Green Lantern, that I had never cared a thing about Green Lantern before. So I have a lot of respect for Jeff Johns, particularly his ability to freshen up classic characters. And you guys that are listening, and Mike, I promise I'm not going to read giant chunks of text uh, on this show, on this episode, but I think it's very important to get this message across because to me, there's a lot of important words in Jeff John's letter here that need to be looked at and thought about. So just real quick, it's only a couple of paragraphs. I'm going to read you guys what Jeff John's wrote about rebirth and, and make no mistake about it. He is the impetus behind this. He is the orchestrator. They are taking, it's called rebirth for a reason. He is the rebirth guy. So here's what Jeff Johns has to say. As the writer of Green Lantern Rebirth and The Flash Rebirth, the word rebirth has come to mean something very important to me. It's not a brand or a marketing tool. It never has been. To me, rebirth is about how to approach mythology, about how to honor and celebrate the characters and their respective universes and embrace the values they embody. It's about the past, the present, and most importantly, the future. Green Lantern Rebirth wasn't only about the return of Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. It was building on a great foundation with tales like Sinestro Corps War and Blackest Night, stories that challenged our heroes, redefined their villains, and introduced new threats and adventures built on the core essence of the Green Lantern myth. And if we were going to do a rebirth across the DC universe, we needed to take a hard look at where it was now. And a rebirth starts with bringing something back that's been missing. For the DC, excuse me, for the DC universe, it's about more than just the heroes or villains we might not have seen in a while. It's about the intrinsic values of what DC Comics and its universe stand for. That's epic storytelling. That's legacy and honoring the past while moving it all to the future. That's hope. In a world of digital cynicism and perhaps justified skepticism, I hope you're surprised when you can read the books. I hope you'll feel the passion the creators have for the DC Universe within their pages. But my greatest hope is that all our readers, old and new, returning and diehard, get a sense of the entire universe as one cohesive, living organism built on the greatest heroes and villains in the world. Honoring what's come before while looking to what will come tomorrow. Rebirth is the next chapter in the ongoing saga of the DC Universe, and I can't wait for you to experience it. Okay, so I've had the benefit of reading that over several times. You guys that are listening, and you, Mike, it's the first time you've heard it, and you know, bear with me. Uh, but I think you probably got the gist of it is I know what I did right with my rebirth projects and I want to apply that to the entire DC universe. That's a great message in my opinion. Uh, there are a lot of 
of words in there that are clearly meant to to please fans. A lot of words that uh, to me are kind of like, yeah, I'm going to tell you what you want to hear. But if that introduction to Rebirth is genuine, I have a lot of hope for what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, Mike, were you able to sort of pick up enough of that to get a general general idea of John's message? It absolutely sounds exciting. Um, and, and Jeff Johns is, at this point, the guy to deliver that message. Um, it, DC has, you know, with, with Dan DiDio, who's still involved, with Jim Lee. For who's some still reason. In- with, with Jim Lee, who's still involved, um, you know, they kind of um, lost some credibility with a lot of people after New 52. Yes. Um, because they were the ones, and Jeff was there too, but Jim really was the guy, you know, um, banging his chest saying, this is this is DC, the new DC for the future, et cetera, Well, et cetera. His, his name was the one I think most often associated with New 52 because yeah, it, you know, he was when, personally designing all the costumes right. or a lot of the costumes. He was working on the main book with, with Justice League. He was, yeah, I mean, and, 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 and it was a big deal. Now, um, uh, Jeff has a lot of uh, respect out there. I have a lot of respect for Jeff. Um, I first started reading him. I think he was doing, I think he took over uh, JSA for James Robinson and did an incredible job with that. And and that right there is saying something. Absolutely. Um, he took over Titans when it needed to be a good book again. And uh, Teen Titans, that is. And uh, I I actually met him and talked to him about Teen Titans for a little while uh, at, a, at a Dragon Con. Um, and uh, I, I, I pleaded with him not to screw up Starfire. And... Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm still the jury's still out on exactly how she was portrayed in that series in particular, but the series went on to do good things, and Jeff went on to do incredible things. Um, I have enjoyed his stories over the years. Um, his new Fifty Two, while I didn't really care for the Justice League, I loved what he did with Aquaman. Well, because- and, I, and I I do feel like I have to mention here that is my sole point of trepidation about anything Jeff John says is he's responsible for the worst comic book arc I have ever read in my life. And that is the first uh, arc from Justice League of the New 52. The dark side was tough, yeah. Uh, it, it was horrible. The Absolutely. animated adaptation of it was horrible. It, it, it's in that, you know, we've, we've, you, Mike, you and I on Earth Station Who talked a lot about the times that it's kind of embarrassing to be a Doctor Who fan. That was the time where I was embarrassed to be a comic book fan. Uh, a lot well, of times when I read a good story, I kind of want to run to people who don't read comics and be like, look, this is what you're missing. This is why I love comics so much. Whereas with War, uh, I, I, it, it was embarrassing to read. If, um, along with the Batman books, uh, along with Wonder Woman, if there is a book that I, I would love to read from DC and enjoy the hell out of it every month, it would be Justice League of America. Yes. And that did not happen with the new 52. In fact, I quit on it within the first year and I never went back. Um, and I, I, I hated that. 
I hated that because that was I love that team and it was made up of my guys. It wasn't like I quit when they were the Detroit League. Right, um, right. You know. <laughs> they drove you away from your favorites. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, it, it wasn't like the Boahaha era. You know, it was it was Superman. It was Batman. It was Wonder Woman. It was Flash. It was Green Lantern. I mean, it was all the people were there um, except for Martian Manhunter. Um, and they. Um, you know, it should have been at the top of my stack and it just didn't deliver. And you're right. I was disappointed by that. But by the same token, I like you never was, uh, really in, in all in with Green Lantern, but that rebirth storyline, as well as the Sinestro Core War, that, that opened my eyes to what the Green Lantern books could be. And, uh, you know, that was great. Um, and he, he, he Aquaman wasn't called rebirth during the new 52, but it might as well have been because Jeff really took that same approach, which is what is it that makes this character work? What is cool about him? And let's tell some cool stories. And that's what he did with Aquaman. And that was one of my favorite titles coming out of new 52. Uh, and even after he left, it still was pretty good. Um, uh, but so I, I have confidence in him because he has a history of doing the right thing. Yes, he's made some mistakes along the way, but uh, the fact that he's in charge and paying so close attention to all of these titles, not just the ones that he's writing, does give me some hope that there is that same sort of uh, attitude and approach that he used with The Flash, with uh, Green Lantern, with, in my opinion, Aquaman, with JSA, which the, with the Teen Titans, will be applied across the board to all these characters, and some a lot of good will come from it. And and that's I hope that his hand is is to a certain extent in everything, and I so I hope he still has what he had when he was reinventing or, or reintroducing really. Not reinventing, reintroducing these characters. Uh, so DC Universe Rebirth number one comes out on May the 25th, but comic book shops, or I'm sorry, the 24th, I think, uh, comic book shops have been told that they can sell it at midnight. Wow. So if you are close to a local comic book shop that is sort of a hot place that keeps up with things and is on top of their game, you could have a really cool midnight event to attend to pick up the first issue of Rebirth. And by the way, Marvel responded to this by saying, okay, well, you guys can go ahead and sell all of our books at midnight too. <laughs> and DC said you could just sell Rebirth. Uh, and so Marvel, you know, yes, you get a little feather in your cap for that because that's pretty funny. And for those that don't know, comic book release, not just dates, but times are a huge part of the industry. Uh, if if you get the new comic before Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. or you know whatever your your comic shop's opening time is, uh, somebody somewhere is furious. Like the the publishers are very big on release dates, uh, and rightfully so because you know you'll notice the websites. I don't go online on Wednesday because they are just hopping to spoil comics for you. Uh, so this is a big deal that this is that these things are going on sale at midnight. But this DC Universe Rebirth number one is kind of going to lay down the story of this new paradigm that we still aren't clear 
on what's happening, on on why these characters are changing. We know a lot about Superman at this point, which I'm not going to get into because if you don't want spoilers, uh, I'm not going to get into it. But we know there's some big changes for Superman. Uh, we know that something happens that basically undoes the bad things about the New 52. And Rebirth number one is going to explain it. And I, for one... I mean, I'll pick it up. There's no way you can't. If you're a DC fan at all, you got to buy this comic. Well, it's and and not only, I mean, it's a one shot. This is not a mini series. Right. It's 80 pages and it's 2.99. Right. If you can't <laughs> because upon, DC knows. <laughs> if you can't take it upon yourself to buy this issue even amongst your pile of Marvel books that you're getting that night, um <laughs> <laughs> you you just you you don't care you're you're you don't care at this yeah right right but but i you know even the the most casual viewer can uh reader can pick up this book and and just see now uh jeff has a history of wowing people with nice little one shots like this mm-hmm. uh the um uh the black ring um, Black Lantern Saga started with a little issue on Free Comic Day that still is one of my favorites in my collection. And then the Sinestro Corps War, that uh, built up, uh, that first issue of that was amazing. It was a one-shot that hooked you. And uh, and, and, and so as far as epic storylines goes, um, you know, he's got a history of doing the right thing when it comes to the introduction. Um, I'm... You know, with all his rebirths in the past that he's done with The Flash and with Green Lantern in particular, um, there was no story reason behind them. They right. just they were publishing things like Jeff Johns is on the book now, creative team, rebirth, here's his story that he's telling, and and we're gonna go from here. Well, like uh, we were saying before, sometimes you just you just do it. You don't have to build a narrative around why this character is different. They've decided to make a story reason for this, and I don't... Well, we'll just have to wait and see if that's a smart play. Right. I don't think it's necessary, really. And I think... I'm glad it's a one-shot, because if it's a miniseries, it would turn so many people off. Well, and and if it was a miniseries, it would go from six issues to eight issues to 11 <laughs> issues to... Or, yeah. And nothing would come out on time, and it would Absolutely. screw up the... Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the, the so fact that it's, it's a one-shot... Just a one shot, maybe just, you know, Jeff's got a kind of an interesting reason as to what's going on to give everybody sort of a star, the, all the creative teams uh, with their first issues, a, a starting point. So um, I'm from what I've re- read of what was from what I know of the books that are coming out, though, I'm very surprised at how much of the new 52 is still in play. Right. Um and I don't know how much we want to go into what is and what isn't, but I was kind of like, really? Because that's one of the things I'm still not liking about the New 52. So, um, it's well, be kind I of mean, anybody that picked this magazine up has a pretty good look at what they're like. Any information that's out there is pretty much out there. I, I think we're all wondering about the same things. The Superman thing, I'm not going to talk about because there, there are probably people who maybe are unaware of the narrative. I don't know. I'm, I stopped reading Superman because it got absolutely terrible. So I don't know if they've told the story yet or not. So I don't want to say too much about it. Uh, 
But I mean, as far as what remains of the New 52 after Rebirth, I think that's something we can talk about fairly safely because DC is being very open about that. Right. And the other thing that I think people should know, if they don't know anything about what's happening with Rebirth, is that this issue is going to come out. It's going to be DC Universe Rebirth. It's going to be the starting point. going to be sort of a pre- an excuse for story reason why this is all happening, as well as, a, I imagine, a preview of things to come. It's written, it, it's, it has art by five, six different artists. So I'm guessing there'll be little snippets of uh, what we'll expect, what we can expect from a lot of the heroes in their own books. And then following that, um, almost all of the books, or a lot of them, are going to have a rebirth issue before the issue one. Yes. So, for example, you'll have Superman Rebirth, Batman Rebirth, Aquaman Rebirth, Wonder Woman Rebirth, and then two weeks later, the first issue will start. Superman 1, um, Action Comics, actually they're going back to the original numbering, uh, Batman number 1, etc., etc. And then uh, I think a lot of them are going to be by bi-monthly well looking looking at the list because they actually have uh if you're following along at home in your previews rebirth dc thing uh they actually have rebirth roundup which lists and it looks like all of the comics are getting rebirth issues uh from may through september pretty much every comic they mention has a rebirth issue coming out uh and i'm glad you brought up the bi-monthly aspect which Unfortunately, a byproduct of the English language is that bi-monthly and bi-weekly can mean the same thing to me. Well, uh, yes and no. Bi-weekly Google is, every, is every two weeks. Bi-monthly can be one every two months or twice a month. Well, bi-weekly can be twice a week or every other week. Well, yeah, but it can. But bi-weekly can't mean that not necessarily is that twice a month because sometimes there are five weeks. But the and that's that's the thing we're going to stick to is twice monthly. Sure. And absolutely. I'm glad you brought it up because one of my biggest problems with DC Comics is the inability to keep an artist on a book. I do not like fill-in artists. I do not like books that have a list of 12 artists that it took to get the thing out on time. I understand DC wants to stick to their publishing schedule. I do not think increasing that publishing schedule is going to help. And I, I'll tell you right now, the worst thing to me about this entire Rebirth event is all of their flagship books are going to twice monthly. And that that right there gives me a lot of concern. Because I do not want an ongoing story that has alternating artists. I, I, that, to me, is very jarring. I don't like it. Uh, I would much rather, and I've said this time and time again when talking about Saga, I would rather them take breaks of months at a time and keep the same creative team on a book than mess up the artistic continuity. I, I agree with you. I do find it interesting how that different creative teams with the different titles are playing around with that. I mean, we can get into it with the different titles, but I know that not all of them are telling the same story each week. Which is, honestly, in and of itself is kind of annoying. Well, maybe. When we talk about Wonder Woman, I think I think they're doing the right thing there. I, I think they found a clever way to do it, but that's because Greg Rucka is one of the best writers on the planet. Well, and 
it, the way that their approach is different. Let's put it that way until we get into it. But sure. Um, but you're right. I am concerned about that too. Um, there is a lot of concern uh, across a lot of these titles to see whether or not they can live up to expectations. But I think across the board, you're right. I mean, if they are promising us that they are going to come out with a book for these titles every every week and the quality is going to be the same and consistent, I do have a hard time believing that. Right. Because there's no artist that we know of that does monthly books that can keep a bi-weekly or twice-a-month schedule. No, even Moritat, who is one of the most consistently awesome artists out there, uh, could could hang in there for monthly for All Star Western, which to me ended up being one of the jewels of the New Fifty Two. Absolutely. Uh, and Mortat's work was consistent throughout. There was never a late issue that I can remember. But most artists, and I'm not, I'm not dissing the artists here. I'm nope. dissing the publisher. It's just the way that the business is. Right. Uh, most artists can't do that. They just can't. And I and I do question the the publishing decision. Like, why do you need a title to come out twice a week? Like, or well, one twice, like when it, when every twice a month. Or I feel like other week. it's purely a financial thing because now that title is making six bucks a month instead of four bucks a month. Because all so from what I understand, they are going to go back to the whole holding the line at two ninety nine, and all these books are going to be two ninety nine, but. They're they're going to be making six bucks a month off of them, rather than the four that they were making, which will be a way to sort of artificially inflate their numbers and own that top ten list again. Uh, maybe and yeah, maybe there there's obviously I can see, but I don't know. It seems like the the drawbacks drawbacks outweigh the pluses here. So oh, I agree, I agree, but I um, feel like there is financial trickery involved in this decision. I, I do too, because it doesn't seem to come from a creative. Standpoint. No, no, it certainly so, doesn't. It certainly so, doesn't. Uh, but that said, all right. Um, uh, I guess we'll just get into it then. Um, I mean, we could take a block. I mean, if you want to talk about the bat books to write off the bat, uh, yeah, just, I think just a, because I mean, there he's our guy. Right? I think that's a good idea to start with Batman uh, because uh, we do we have to talk about Suicide Squad, but I don't want to shit on Jim Lee all at once. So <laughs> let's uh, because I did back in the nineties. I loved that guy. I loved Hush. Uh, so let's move on. To Batman. All right, so let's talk about Batman. Um, you know, obviously he's going to have his two main books, uh, Batman it will be, um, and then Detective Comics, which is going to go back to its original numbering. So it'll start with, or it'll return to the 900s. Um, we've got uh, two new, uh, fairly new to Batman anyway, um, artists, um, writers here. Uh, we've got Tom King, who's done some pretty great work for both companies in the last year or two. Yeah, tell so, me about Tom King because I don't, I don't know that I even know the name. Wow. Okay, so I first knew Tom when uh, he did a uh, a book uh, about it was a novel called I think it was a uh, Cross Crooked Sky or something like that, and uh, it was about superheroes, a superhero novel, and he was taken around the conventions and he was using that to. He finally, he got some comic book work and uh, and has just been steadily getting better and better. Now, recently, he's come off uh, a, a very nice run, from what I hear, on Grayson, 
um, a a very interesting run on Vision. Oh, is he co-writing Grayson with Tim Seeley? He is. Okay, okay. He's he's ex. I think he's got a history of being in the CIA in his background. Um, and apparently his writing is pretty action packed and and very good. I've heard nothing but good things. I have I have I unfortunately I've only sampled his work. I have not. Um, I did not collect or read uh, Night uh, Grayson. I, I did not read uh, Vision. Uh, he's currently working, I think, uh, on that book, um, Sheriff of Babylon, that um, Vertigo book, which is getting a lot of praise. Right, right. So he's out there making a name for himself. So why not pop him on the main book? He, you know, he did such a good job with the sidekick. It's time to move up to the main man. Uh, so with Batman number one, I think he's on, he's on the Rebirth one as well. Yeah. Uh, that's written by Tom King. Art and cover by no stranger to Batman, David Finch. Yes. Um, so, uh, so we've got this team. We've got an artist who, you know, David Finch does Batman pretty well. I think uh, uh, the new Fifty Two. He had his own book, which was uh, what's that? Legend of Dark Knight. Yes, Legends of the Dark Knight. Yeah, which got kind of tedious, to be honest with you. Well, but um, he was but, writing and doing the art in there, right? Which I thought was a mistake. I, yes. I mean, because the story did suffer, but the writing, the art was always beautiful. So I do think his art is beautiful. Uh, I don't know how he's going to keep a uh, shipping twice monthly schedule. My only hope is that he's working on issue eight right now. Right. Um, to, at least so they have a lot in the bank. Uh, but I'm curious to see what Tom King can bring to the Dark Knight on the main, on the main Bat book. Well, I think- and I'm, I like the idea that they're putting forth of this new superhero called Gotham that shows up in Gotham city thinking he's going to clean the place up. Yeah. I think that's an interesting story idea and it's different. It's not bringing back some old villain, but it does feel very Batman-y. Yes. Yes, it does. Um, and it should be, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this a lot. Um, uh, you know, they say that uh, <laughs> when these events happen, a lot of people jump off. You know, the 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 the, the publishers hope that people are going to jump on, but a lot of people use events like this to jump off. Sure. Um, oh, I do. I when so- I see very often when I see something like this coming, I think, okay, well, that's when I can stop buying this book. Yeah, and that's kind of a shame um, in a lot of ways. But sure. I, oh, yeah. I get it because I've done it before. In fact, um, I've decided already that. Um, with this movement after with rebirth anyway, uh, I am going to probably all, but all but four or five titles. I'm going to switch to trades. Oh, wow. Uh, I just can't. And especially with the twice now a month. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to swing financially. Um, and I've done it for Marvel already. I, I last year, the year the, I, I, I collect Spider-Man, uh, monthly, and uh, which comes out every couple weeks, um, <laughs> and that's the only book I get. All the other Marvel books that I get, um, uh, I get my, I get by trade. My, so my I problem with that, that I'm going to start doing, and it, financially it makes so much sense because I never have to pay full price for the trade, right? And it ends up being cheaper than buying the monthly books now. And you're right, and that's very smart. My problem is I have trouble keeping track of when trades come out. I do too, um, but I, you know, there's ways around that. And if something, if it's something that you want, you'll you'll get it. You'll yeah. you'll remember and you'll get it. The That's thing about getting the trade is, would... though, you don't. There's no, you know, oh my god, I have to get it this week. So right. 
you do right. kind of miss out sometimes when events happen, and sometimes they get spoiled. Um, but uh, I've been reading Walking Dead by trade ever since I started reading it, and sometimes uh, there's a spoiler or two out there, but by and large, it, it doesn't really happen that often. Well, and it, it helps that Walking Dead's not necessarily as much about the surprises as about the consistency of the storytelling. So I, I don't mind saying that Batman uh, by Tom King is a is a series that I will continue to get, uh, you know, the floppies, so to speak. Well, let me uh, let me put this out there: the title that I am most excited about from Rebirth is Detective Comics. Okay, so yeah, that's the flip side. I love James Tynion and Eddie Barrows, uh, and I apologize if I mispronounced. Uh, James Tynion's last name. I don't know. <laughs> he is a uh, apprentice, so to speak, of Snyder, and I don't yes. mean that in a bad way. No, 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 uh, not at all. He, I mean, he, he worked on Gates of Gotham yep. uh, with Snyder and was involved in that whole uh, the epic that that sort of spun out of the history of Gotham City. And I, I'm a big fan of his work. I love Eddie Barrows. Plus, I think he's done both the uh, Eternal books. Yes, Batman Eternal yes. and Batman and Robin Eternal, and I think you know he. So he knows what it means to keep a <laughs> a schedule going. Because right. those were weekly books. This but, is probably a relief to him. <laughs> I love this. It's almost like a new version of Batman and the Outsiders, uh, except it is specifically the Bat Family. Except, of course, for Clayface. Yeah, I I don't know what to think of that. I um, love that. I love yeah. it because <laughs> it makes sense. Because there have been times, uh, now depending on which iteration of Clayface it is, but there have been times where Clayface didn't, you know, he wasn't villainous. He has assisted Batman, he ha- or has just withdrawn and not wanted to be part of, you know, any of Gotham City's nonsense. I, I like him, I find him to be a sympathetic character, and I really like the idea of him working with, well, first of all, you've got Batwoman, who I love Kate Kane. Yeah, uh, and if if you have not yet watched Batman: Bad Blood, the animated feature, I highly recommend it. It's very good. Uh, but this is just—I dig the look of this book, man. This one excited me more than anything else because it it looks new, but it also looks old. It it looks classic. Well, I'll tell you what it it, it has a dare I say indie feel to it. Um, just the, the cover with the way that they've, you know, they're writing that they've got detective comics on the title. It's not in this, in this really cool, like, you know, standardized font. It's just sort of in there. Like it would be like in in an indie book or something, but I I've always liked team Batman. I really do. I mean, Batman's cool by himself, but as a team, uh, I'm attracted to this because Tim Drake is going to have more of an active role in the Batman universe. I've always been a big Cassandra Cain fan. I like uh, Batwoman, and I like seeing Batwoman and Batman work together, which doesn't happen often enough. Well, and that's the thing, is that that will bring an interesting dynamic, because they do have, uh, you know, she doesn't feel subordinate to him nope. like everybody else does. Even when you're talking about Dick, who, who kind of went off to find his own place as Nightwing, he still was subordinate to Batman. Kate doesn't feel that way. And yeah, Tim uh, traditionally has been my favorite Robin. And then you've got Stephanie Brown as well, who I, I absolutely love. 
I'm not a huge spoiler fan, but I, I recognize her uh, uh, as a valuable character in the in the Batman family, so I don't mind her inclusion at all. Um, and so I, I am looking forward to this book as well. This one, this one's definitely one I'm getting monthly as well. I'm not stopping my run of Detective Comics anytime soon, especially <laughs> right. now that they've renumbered them again. So. <laughs> hey, right, right. It's all leading up to one thousand, man. Well, you know what? It's really all all leading up to though. What's that? It's all leading up to the return of All Star Batman. <laughs> uh, I ugh, this you, is you take this one. All right, okay. All Star Batman is not a continuation of Frank no, no, Miller's it's not. One. It's not. So. This is, think of this, I don't, I, as a matter of fact, I think they did it a disservice to call it All-Star Batman. Well, especially considering the original never completed. Absolutely. I, I, I wish they'd called this something else. Um, I, I don't know what. The Spectacular Batman. <laughs> spectacular. <laughs> Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but in any case, what, what I, to me, what they could have called it is Scott Snyder's Batman. Sure. This is Scott Snyder, who I have loved on Batman ever since he started his his first issue on Batman. I know that you have. Um, and uh, he is still uh, with the Dark Knight. He is still with DC, and he's got a pretty active role behind the scenes with DC as well, which is going to be uh, a great thing. We talked about Jeff Johns doing some incredible stuff, but Scott Snyder is... Uh, involved heavily, a lot more heavily than the solicits would indicate. Well, and rightfully so, because, I mean, he's essentially kept them on the charts with his Batman books. He has, absolutely. And I'm glad, so he gets his own Batman book. He gets to tell stories with different artists that may or may not really involve any of the other two books. He's just going to, I think he's, from what I understand, he's going to redefine the villains, the rogues gallery. Um, and he's going to do so. I think the first uh, story is going to be with art with um, by uh, John Romita Jr., who I love. Yes. So I can't argue that. Uh, I haven't seen him uh, really do a bat book since Batman and the Punisher back in the day. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I know that there's some other uh, some well, other let's, artists. Let's run down the artists because I'm I'm really you, Mike Gordon, are very often my voice of reason. You have pulled me back from the edge many times. No end when you say that. <laughs> uh, but you know we've discussed this at length uh, when we were not recording, which is a shame. Always be recording. But you know I am not as satisfied with Snyder overall as you are. Uh, I look at some of his stories as the best Batman stories I've ever read, and others as just churning bores. But. <laughs> So just get every other issue. Right. <laughs> well, but let's run down the artists that he's going to be working with because they have announced the first five artists, and they're all, well, all the ones I'm familiar with anyway are exciting. John Romita, John Romita Jr., for me, is a destination artist. Yeah. Uh, I will buy anything that he starts. Now, whether or not I stick with it depends on the writer. I but, will buy anything, that any book that he does except for ones that begin with S. <laughs> no, I bought it. <laughs> I didn't. I bought his Superman. Uh, I, I did not. I, yet. I'm waiting for a nice uh, deal on a trade. I, yeah, well, buy the, buy the trade. I really enjoyed that story. Uh, and then Jock, who Jock is 
great. Yes. And it took and me a while. he's worked before. And yes, he has. And it was very successful. And it took me a while to warm up to Jock's style, but I really like his visual storytelling. After that, we've got Declan Chalvey, who's fantastic. Uh, if you Google his art, you will be pleased by what he does. I don't think I'm familiar with that name. Uh, he does a lot of covers. Um, I wish I could point to a specific title he's worked on, but I actually know him mainly. Uh, I don't know if the site's around anymore, but it was called Comic Twart, where a group of artists would yes. take... You know, okay. I do remember that. They would all pick like yes. a, a character like to do like a week or, or something Flash like Gordon, that. Right. Yeah. Would all, he was very present on that site, and that's very how nice. I grew to love his art. Uh, I'm very excited to see him on Batman. Uh, Tula Lote, who I'm not familiar with. I'm not familiar with that either. either. And then to me, uh, the main event and someone else that Scott Snyder has worked with before on a book called The Wake that was absolutely <sighs> fantastic. Absolutely. Sean, Sean Murphy. Murphy. Holy <laughs> shit. Sean Murphy on Batman. Yes. Uh, not, you know, somebody who. Ooh, I just to, got a little chill. To my knowledge, yeah. Well, to my knowledge, Sean Murphy has not done a ton of superhero books. I mean, he's he's a Vertigo guy. He's an indie guy. Uh, so this that's very exciting to me. Yes, and I think um, I've heard a couple of other names banded about too. So, um, but I'm not sure. I don't have confirmation on those. But um, yeah, so this is this is uh, Scott uh, toying around. They're gonna. They're not. It's not one story that he's telling. Like you said, it's not going to be one story with a bunch of different artists right. handling different chapters they're just different and from what i gather too they're not gonna all take place in gotham yeah uh, it's supposed to be sort of a, a road trip type the, deal. the adventure batman yes which for me um growing up with the brave and the bold stories that's pretty fun uh, i i remember those very fondly uh, well and and not I have just, a complete run of those, I think. Not just those, but, you know, Morrison's recent Batman Incorporated. Right. Uh, prior yes. to the New 52, that was an amazing globetrotting Batman. I loved that Batman. There was a lot of that stuff that I did love and I wish was still around. Yes. So. Yes. So Yeah, so I, I the three Bat books, I'm I'm okay with. As a matter of fact, I, I can't think of anything better. They I think those are amazing. All three of them are doing their own thing. They don't seem repetitive. And I think it's a lot of good stuff to look forward to. Batman, I think, is in good hands. Yes. Yes, I would agree. Uh, to move on to right here in the magazine, it says, The Big Leagues. <laughs> uh, I have, every once in a while, I've dropped in on a Justice League story arc and enjoyed it, but I have never been a regular reader of any Justice League comic. Uh I don't honestly have much opinion about this. Uh, Brian Hitch and Tony Daniel, who I dig Tony Daniel. I like his art. Uh, I thought when put into the unenviable spot of writing Batman, because I don't think he necessarily wanted that, but he DC needed, huh? He wanted that. Well, <sighs> But did he want writing and art duties in the way that it kind of got foisted off on him? I, I don't know the full story, but I know he wanted it. Well, um, it was I, a dream job to him, and uh, I am not his biggest fan. I I thought for a solo writer and artist to be on Batman that he did as good a job as anybody could because I don't think. I don't think one person should be handling the title. No, I don't either. I, I really don't. Um, 
uh, and, and no matter who it is. Um, so I, I will I will agree with that. And you know, uh, even though it's not saying a lot, I will I will agree with the, the fact that you think that you know he did it about as well as he, anybody could. But um, I. I this team is not I want to read a good Justice League book. I really do. I want to get back on that horse again. Um the same way I did when Grant Morrison uh took it over right, back right, in the right. day when Mark Wade took over and had a good run on it. Well what is um, what is Brian Hitch doing writing Justice League? Well, apparently someone was impressed with his writing. Um uh, he and his uh wife wrote Wonder Woman, right? Is that right? So I don't I don't know. I st- I stopped you're talking about the new 52 Wonder Woman? Yeah. I stopped I think 18. I, I stopped shy of the 20th issue of Azarello and Chang's run because I got tired of the alternating artists and they got as much as I love Greek mythology, they got way too deep into it and I just never even though the artists even though the creative team changed, I I never went back to it. I uh, I dropped it after Azarello, but just because I'm not uh, a fan of the Finch stuff, so uh, and, and I didn't think anything good was going to come of it. If it if it did, I knew I could go back and get it. And sure. So far from what I've I've seen and heard, uh, it did not do much to me. So, um, but anyway, so unfortunately, this is uh, not what I want to see out of my Justice League. So I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping that. Uh, they actually do uh, some um, great things, and people talk about it, and it gets me curious. And I do pick up the book and go, wow, this is something that I didn't expect. But right. but going in, going forward, it is not on my list of books that I'm going to get right away. Well, and, I, and I hate that. I hate yeah. I, I, I understand, it because it should be. Uh, yeah. There's a sidebar, though, that has me very interested in a title. that, And this is where... This sort of magazine, this sort of promotion services the books because I never, ever would have picked this book up without this sidebar. Uh, I did enjoy Francis Manipole's work on Flash. I liked his artistic style, but Francis Manipole writing and drawing a book is not necessarily something that would catch my eye. But he is going to be writing and drawing Trinity. That is on my list. <laughs> and let me tell you what sold me on it. Uh, there are little blurbs here about Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman. Uh, but the blurb about Superman is what sold me on this book and on Francis Man- Man- Manipool. I don't know. Sure. sure. Uh, what he's doing. I love this. Superman. Clark is a small-town boy at his core, so he's had a very grounded upbringing, contrasting the other two, which he can be in awe with at times, says Manipal. Even though he's an alien, he feels he brings the everyman aspect to the Trinity. I adore that take. I love the idea that Superman is from a small town. Yep. And I like the idea that that he's kind of like, wow, Wonder Woman is... Look at her. Look at her go. This warrior goddess and looks at Batman like he's so cool. Look at this guy. He's just a dude. Like I kind of like the idea of that. And and it and it is to me the aw shucks uh version of Superman that that has been missing a lot lately. Well, uh 
I agree. And to me, um, I am a big fan of Francis, uh, 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 huge. Uh, I have got a chance to meet him a couple of times and, and I, I, he's a great guy as well as a great talent. Um, his, his art style, I just find so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that, you know, the flash books, I just eat those up. I wasn't getting them monthly. I was getting them in trade, but still, I, I just love it. You know, when he went to write it, was there a drop off? Well, when you're going to follow Jeff Johns, Sure. Yeah. With anybody, there probably will be. But, you know, I think he held his own. Um, his work in Detective was a little less uh, stable than I would have liked, but certainly not the worst run I've ever read. Um, and, uh, you know, he was a guy, though, you know, uh, like uh, we mentioned before, he did the, the well, he had a cope writer, I think, but he was pretty much writing and, and, and drawing um, uh, Detective. And I thought he, you know, his layouts were beautiful. Uh, sometimes the stories weren't, as, like I said, weren't as good as I would have liked. But um, I, I love his art style. And, you know, that's alone is selling me. But what you said is pretty cool about how he's going to treat Superman. And I know he's already had experience with the others. And it, it's a book about the Trinity. So to me, even though it's not a Justice League book, this is about as excited as I'm going to get for a team book. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the super books, which, you know, I'll tell you right now, I'm not, you know, I loved Christopher Reeve as Superman. I'm not really a Superman guy. I like all-star Superman. You know, I, I like the common man's favorite Superman stuff, but Superman is not my guy. So even though you have Patrick Gleason, who I, I really love working on this book on, on the main Superman book. I just don't know. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to be into this one until I hear something about it. Here's what I find disappointing about Superman. There's a few things about the Superman books. And like you, I mean, for people out there, the Superman fans, you can take this with a grain of salt because I've never, uh, like you, I've never read him monthly. Um, I dabble in him here and there. If someone says there's a good Superman story, uh, I'll wait for the trade. Like Son of Superman, I thought that was really good by Jeff Johns. Um, oh wait, I'm, I have total butthole here. I left out Peter J. Tomasi, who who is co-writing, and I mean right. the team of Gleason and Tomasi, Tomasi, Tomasi. I'm sorry, I'm killing all these names. Uh, They're not listening. To they me. well, right? They took up uh, Batman and Robin, and I love that book, and it was fantastic. Yes, it was. I, I'm a big fan of Peter Tomasi. I'm glad to see him move up to a big book as well. Um, and he's prior already to that, written- uh, Green Lantern Corps. Yep, and Which, I like that book too. Yes, absolutely. Um, here's my thing with Superman, though. If you were going to get me involved with Superman, uh, I'm looking at the solicits. I'm looking at Superman number one, that cover. I'm looking at Superman Rebirth number one, and I'm looking at Action Comics 957, and I see a very angry, yeah. <laughs> a very non-hopeful yeah. A guy that looks like it's more the same of what we're getting out of the movie, uh, the movie verse. And to be honest, not interested. I just, you know, I hate that. I hate that cover of Superman Rebirth. Yes. He looks like the biggest, baddest villain in the, in the universe in that. Like, what's he so angry about? (laughs) Like, like he's titles getting reborn. Like he's starting over. He's starting again. And he looks pissed. And, well, and even the cover of Superman number one, you know, he yeah. looks furious. You have this sad son and his sad wife and a big green skull and 
all these like plague looking guys. Like this doesn't look like a Superman comic I want to read. No. Now we are getting uh, with Action Comics. We are getting a return of Dan Jurgens writing the book, which is if he can stay on till issue one thousand, that would be pretty awesome. I mean, Dan Jurgens was writing Superman when when he died. <laughs> the death of Superman. He's been. He knows Superman. He's an old school Superman writer. Um, so we will we see the old school one back. Well, in some ways, if people don't know what's going on, then they should because it's it's not a spoiler or anything like that. There's two separate uh, Spider uh, Superman in the universe in this same Earth. There's yes. two Clarks. There's two Loises that live on this planet, and I can't get behind that concept. I'm sorry, I just can't. I'm like, you know what? Figure it out, do something different with these guys, and let's just, like, move on. I want the last son of Krypton to be the last son of Krypton. Right. Um, and, uh, and and so there's nothing in these books that I find uh, interesting. And, I'm, and I, I'm, I'm sorry for that, too. I mean, that Superman should be their flagship t- character, their flagship title. I mean, I know everybody talks about Batman. Obviously, he's the sexy pick. But Superman, you know, well there there like are the guy. there are a lot more successful Batman analogs than there are Superman analogs. Superman is singular. The closest thing Marvel has is Captain America, and obviously he's very different. Uh, Superman should be taken care of with kid gloves, and to me, and and this is no, you know, I'm not trying to talk poorly about Gleason and Tomasi because they do fantastic work. But to me, this Superman feels like, oh, I guess this is what we're going to do with him. And, and I was hopeful. I'm like, wow, Dan Jurgens is going to be writing on a monthly book again. Uh, Superman. That's pretty cool. I might, you know, check that out. And then I find out, Oh, well, there's another Superman there because that's the book that he's writing now. And so there's going to be two Clarks and two Loises, and one is like the you know guy that you remember from the pre fifty two, and the other is the young guy that's that's inexperienced now. And I'm just like, you know what? That's not a story I want to read. Well, I'm sorry, but that's two. That's one Superman too many. I'll tell you the story I do want to read though, and that is Super Sons with Damian Wayne and Clark Kent and Lois Lane's son. That could be a lot of fun. I think it will be a lot of fun, and I'm. I am super amused at the fact that Damien has his own version of the Dark Knight Returns armor <laughs> that he is apparently going to use to fight uh, Superman's son. I think this. I think this will be a fun book. Uh, well, it has a potential to be. I am yeah. not familiar with Jorge Jorge Jimenez, George Jimenez. I don't know. I don't know. It's but. the that's the problem about talking about things that are only in print. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I'm not I'm not super familiar with the artist, uh, but this could be one of the breakout books if it's handled right. It, it could be, and Damien's a fun character. I I've uh, enjoyed his uh, his his appearances in the Bat books. Uh, I expect he'll be fun in the uh, Teen Titans book as well. Yes, um, and and of course this team up is 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 great too. I mean, I think he's turned out to be a very good character. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I will definitely be checking that out. I don't think I'll be getting that one though as it comes out. I think that one's going to be like a trade for me. Uh, and then we have other super books as well that we'll we'll just cover real quickly. We have New Superman. Uh, Superwoman and Supergirl. Supergirl essentially seems to be 
it, it is not an adaptation of the show, and it's not the show's continuity. But, but they're influenced heavily. Uh, yes, very much the show. And why not? Yeah, absolutely. The I best, mean, the best superhero. The screen, watch it on Monday. They're doing it right. Yes, they are. They absolutely are. So that that's going to be a fun book, uh, and 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 possibly one that I'll you know I might pick up the first issue. I don't know that I can guarantee I'll stick with it, but it just looks fun. I love the art that they're using for it. It's bright. It's hopeful. That is a fun cover. Uh, Superwoman. I just don't care. Uh, Lois Lane gets I. It's tough not to get into spoiler territory here. Uh, I strongly suspect that new Superman and Superwoman are tied into the big Superman spoiler that we are not mentioning. Uh, but we have Lois Lane imbued with the powers of Superman. And then in new Superman, we have a random Chinese asshole. And I say that because that's what he is. Yep. That is not a racist thing. That's what they've said essentially. Yeah, uh, you're not you're not wrong. Gets Superman's powers, which I think is a great concept. I think it's very interesting, and uh, but it, and won't last a year. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's that's the shame <laughs> of it. It is, and you know, people cry for originality. And granted, giving a kid superpowers, you know, a la Billy Batson, is not original, right? I think the guy, the you know, I, I was, I, I do, I'm aware of the creator a little bit. I know he's, uh, you know, I think he's Chinese, so he's very uh, knowledgeable about Chinese culture. This this book will have an interesting angle that we've probably never seen before. Um, it'll probably be beautiful looking. I think his his artwork is gorgeous, and it might be an interesting take. But people are not. Gonna, I I predict that people aren't going to care. I I think that you're right, and the problem is. This should have been a miniseries. Well, the problem is that DC and Marvel both do not give these books enough time to grow organically. Right. Uh, they give them, you know, sometimes not even six issues to catch on, and then they drop the axe. And that's one of my problems with committing to anything that DC does is I can't tell you how many New 52 books, I literally can't tell you, uh, I, I picked up, I got really, really into, and then they canceled them. Uh, and Marvel has done the same thing. And I understand these guys have to make money, but you have to let these books breathe. You have to let them, you have to let word of mouth travel. You have to let them build an audience or else, you know, we're never going to develop anything new and exciting. So, Speaking of new again, saying, can we talk about Wonder Woman now? Yeah, let's talk about Wonder Woman. Whew. All right. Let's, so let's talk about Greg Rucka, who is uh. a. Destin, I, I used the term destination artist before for John Romita. Uh, Greg Rucka is a destination writer for me. I will buy uh, at least the first issue of anything that he does. He had uh, already an incredible run on Wonder Woman in the past, uh, one of my favorite runs. Uh, I met him at, uh, and I'm not trying to name drop here, I, because this is, this is important as far as my relationship with Wonder Woman goes. I, I met him at a con. And I and I uh, we talked for a bit, and I thanked him for his work on Wonder Woman because I just thought it was it was groundbreaking, actually. And uh, I had a copy of it was the hardcover that he did, that was Wonder Woman and Batman. It's the uh, the one with the boot on the on Batman's head. Yeah. Um, and uh, he he signed it. Um, he he signed the book, uh, and he said right underneath where it said Wonder Woman. He put, she gives us hope. 
and then he signed his name. And that to me is Wonder Woman. I mean, she might be a warrior. She might be an Amazon. She might be a goddess. She might be this, that, and the other thing. She might be a superhero. She might be an ambassador. Uh, throughout her run, she's been all these things. She might be a symbol for women's lib. You know, she's all these things. But down to her core, if you want to understand Wonder Woman, if you want to uh, appreciate the character and why, you know, what makes her tick, um, she gives us hope. And... I, I, I ever since then, my test of what makes a good Wonder Woman story has been put to that, and sometimes it passes, sometimes it fails. Um, there's been some pretty good runs after that. Gail Simone and Brian Azzarello, I think, did a good job. The, you're right, the Azzarello one might have gone a little too long, but I did like it, enjoy it uh, for what it was. Um, but the fact that Greg is back on this book and he's going to split up the twice monthly, so it, in a sense, you're getting two Wonder Woman books a month. Yes. Uh, you're getting Wonder Woman Year One, which is an like how come nobody's done this concept before? Wonder Woman Year One, written by Greg Rucka with art by Nicholas Scott, which Nicholas Scott, oh fantastic! <laughs> like that is a dream team. Yes, an absolute dream team. And then uh, the 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 other. A month, the other book a month will be it'll still be called Wonder Woman still be numbered one two one two, three whatever um, but it'll be it'll take place in the quote unquote present time uh, for DC and it'll involve some sort of present story and it's still written by Greg Rucka of course with uh, art by Liam Sharp who I haven't seen do a book in a long time I'm not familiar with but the the art samples I've seen uh, very not only is he very good but I feel like he sort of complements Nicholas Scott's work. A bit, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's 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 really good. So, and I, I like I said, I can't remember the last book he worked on because he's he's one of those old school guys. Oh, um, okay, okay. And uh, I mean, not old old Bronze Age or anything like that. But I mean, he's still like you know. Um, in any case, this is the book to me uh, that is a no brainer. Um, the 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 creative teams on this are going to be amazing. Greg, uh, he used to he told me that you know when he was coming off the book. Uh, that uh, he was really sad. And he said that, uh, he goes, I don't know what I'm going to do because Diana and I have conversations all the time. And now I'm going to miss my friend. And it was just so sad. Um, yeah. And so now he's back reunited. Now, it must be pretty important because uh, I, I believe behind the scenes, Greg and DC have not gotten along in the recent years. That so. is my concern here. Uh, <laughs> it's only a matter of time before DC messes uh, yeah. this up. Well, that serious, I, dude, I'm not even kidding because Greg Rucka is the guy that made Kate Kane incredible. Uh, yes. Batwoman Elegy is one of the greatest arcs I've ever read in my life. Not to mention the question. Yes. Uh, the backup stories uh, yes. were, were amazing. Uh, and then he went to Marvel and wrote one of my favorite Punisher runs. And apparently, because he had, he had issues with DC, left, went to write Punisher, apparently had issues with Marvel, left, uh, I think did some independent stuff, and I have phone, no... Phone. I called in two issues of Convergence with DC. Uh, yes, um, which were I, kind of fun, but yeah. And somebody as talented as him, my concern, look, you got, I don't care if he's very exacting in his standards or even if he's needy 
DC Comics, if you have to send this man a thousand pounds of M&Ms a month, whatever his fucking writer is, take care of him. Yeah, I was just about to say, if anybody out here, anybody out there is listening that has any sway in the uh, publication of DC Comics whatsoever, uh, if you do nothing else, make Craig Rucka happy. Yes, do whatever it takes because... (laughs) Uh, at the, at the top, at the top of the show, what I wanted to say, uh, was if I had to bet money on one of these books, that it will be quality, that it will be, uh, what will be referred to as a great comic for years to come, it's going to be this Wonder Woman. Uh, and it couldn't have come at a better time. All eyes oh, are sure. on her. Sure, All, absolutely. From no matter what you thought of the the, the Batman v Superman movie, uh, nearly everybody has come out saying that they're excited about what you know the debut of Wonder Woman and what her her movie's going to be. Uh, I you know she is uh, out there as being at the forefront. Like she belongs, in my opinion, of uh, certainly if not female heroes, all heroes. So if any fancy pants, important people are listening to this, you take care of that Greg Rucka and keep him on this book. I don't care what he wants. Just uh, you can, you can, you can hire me to be his uh, go-between, <laughs> and I will personally make sure that he's happy. Uh, all right. In so any we- way that I possibly can. So we've got to move on from the most yes. promising title of the new of the oh gosh I almost just called this the new fifty two but I think I can be excused for that given DC's track record uh, rebirth uh, real quick I want to mention another one that I'm excited about and that is Deathstroke written by none other than Christopher Priest look at that now, speaking of wow. people that uh, DC managed to tick off one way or, t- or another or guys who have been away from the the, the big comic guy yeah uh, this one I'm very excited to see what he does and the one of the reasons I'm a fan of priest is I've been reading uh, his stuff on his website which I was led to by Jim shooter's website and both guys, there's a certain amount of spin. You know, any creative person is going to put a certain amount of spin on any biographical story that they tell. But Jim Shooter, if you go to – well, if you Google Jim Shooter, his his website is going to come up first. He stopped writing on it, but there's a couple years' worth of articles about his time as editor-in-chief at Marvel – and it's some of the most fascinating stuff I've ever written about or read about the comic industry. Mm-hmm. And he often spoke very highly of Christopher Priest, uh, who used to go by another name. But since he goes by Christopher Priest now, that's what we'll stick with. And that led me to Priest's website, where he has a very interesting take, a very well-written take on the comics industry, uh, and I tell you, all, all of you people that like to get excited about gender and race and all that sort of thing, if you want to hear the real shit, if you want to hear an intelligent person who genuinely understands the politics of race and gender in the comics industry, and even though he is a black man, does not have a bias go read Christopher Priest's stuff about working in comics because it's intelligent, it's reasonable, and yeah, he gets angry sometimes. But the way he presents his story, it's not just 
it's not a Facebook headline. It's him telling his life story, and it's great stuff. And not only is he an interesting character, um, but um, his run on Black Panther was amazing. Legendary. Legendary. I will never sell those books. It's um, it's well when when people talk about great runs of comic books that's one that comes up and whatever you may think of Black Panther he's not exactly one of the most popular characters in the world but that run gets mentioned far out of context with the popularity of the character yes uh and I am I am looking forward to seeing what he does with uh Deathstroke as well Deathstroke certainly needs a, a steady hand at the helm um, who's doing the art on that? Uh, let's see. I just flipped past, uh, Carlo Pagu. Why you got to make me say all these crazy names, Mike Gordon, <laughs> Carlo Pagulian. I, I don't know of him, but this will, it'll be, um, this one I'll be looking at going, okay, okay. Let me see what, what this looks like and keep an eye on it for the trades because well, if, I, I definitely am looking forward to it. If the, the samples they have, cause they've got a character rundown here, uh, basically of Slade Wilson's family. And if this art is from Carlo, it's fantastic. I'm very excited about it because it's, it's, uh, I, I dig it. I'm going to, this one I'm picking up, uh, the day it comes out. I, I'm too curious not to. So I'll give you the lowdown, Mike Gordon. Please do. Let's and, move on. Oh, go ahead. Uh, Okay, so a book that I'm looking forward to, which is kind of the same uh, the uh, same approach, which is a book that I feel like uh, uh, certainly a group of characters that I think of have been woefully neglected over the years, um, especially once the new 52 came along. It, it's Titans. Yes. Um, I, I was there when the Teen Titans were formed. Uh, I was there when... You know, the new Teen Titans with Wolfman and Perez were, which is such a big deal. It was even to the caliber. It even took on Marvel's X-Men. They were that popular. Um, and I followed Devin Grayson's run, Judd Winnick's run. Um, I, I love the Titans. I love, uh, that group of guy, uh, group team. And over the last, we'll say decade, DC has done everything they can to just obliterate them as far as the concept that I know and love. Um, so let me, was, let me ask you, I need some, I need some help here. Okay. Because I'm not, my knowledge of teen Titans basically comes from the old teen Titans cartoon. Okay. And I see we have two Titans books. We have Titans, right? Which it claims is the original team. Yes. And then we have Teen Titans, which is headed up by Damian Wayne, right? Uh, and has the Titans, most of the Titans that I know as the Teen Titans, Beast Boy, Raven, and Starfire, with the addition of of uh, newly uh, newly racial relevant Wally West, uh, which is weird. <laughs> but uh, so I, um, are uh... these. Are these the original Titans? Well, the- yes and no. I mean, character-wise, uh, look, there's always a Robin on the team. There's usually a Robin leading the team. Uh, usually it's been Dick. Um, I think uh, it's been Red Robin since the New 52, and now it's going to be Damien. Um, you do want to have that Teen Titans. You want to have a group of kids together 
so, uh, fighting crime, uh, fighting bad guys. That's all well and good. But my Titans were the original sidekicks, were Dick Grayson, Donna Troy, uh, Speedy, Arsenal, whatever name he's going by <laughs> these days. Right, uh, right. Uh, also, Wally West and uh, a, you know, a host of others. And when the New 52 came, uh, Starfire is another one. The New 52 came and they just kind of obliterated them. They just said, you know what? Uh, they kind of hinted that they might have existed. And then they basically said, no, they, they never existed. And I was like, what? How can you call one of the biggest teams of comic history yeah. something that's never existed? Well, somebody else must have thought the same thing because then they came out with this miniseries, Titans Hunt. Right. Which I did not pick up because I was like, I don't know what they're doing. I, I'm really worried about they're remaking Titans Hunt. What's this going to be? I don't understand this. So, uh, but what I've come to find out, and this is why I really want to get it collected, because actually the issues are hard to get, find because it's become pretty popular. DC now should know that, I mean, the Titans are, uh, when they are done right, they can be a pretty powerful um, character to use to sell. Well, you'd think they'd know that just from the popularity of the cartoons. Well, you'd think so, but they don't match up exactly. But um, uh, because the cartoon really isn't my Titans. Sure. I mean, it's a goofy version of the Titans, right? Uh, the Titans Go, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about. Well, no, no, I'm talking about, because the original Teen Titans cartoon, uh, that the popularity of that is what led to Teen Titans Go even happening. Right. And then, you know, my Titans are closer a little bit to young what Young Justice was. Well, and that's what Young Justice started off as the sidekicks. Yes. So, so I'm really interested to see what they're going to do with the, what this whole Titans hunt means, because I, I, I have, I've heard rumors that, this is the key. I've heard rumors that, you know, that what they're finding out might, without getting too spoilery, because I don't even know the full story. Right. But this Titan Hunt storyline is there's multiverse stuff bleeding over, and certain characters are kind of remembering that they used to be part of this team because the Titans are so big that they can't even, like, it can't be squashed even by this, you know. Even by poor editorial decisions. <laughs> exactly. So. <laughs> So once Rebirth happens, boom, we have a Titans book again, and it's going to be Nightwing, and it's going to be Donna Troy, and it's going to, and it's written by Dan Abnett. Now that's good enough for me. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I'm I'm definitely excited by this book. I, I'm hoping that my Titans can come back in a way that really uh, it, it rem makes people remember how good they were to begin with. I don't know if they'll ever reach the you know, the golden age or the, well, not golden age in terms of golden age of comics, but the, you know, the heyday when they were as big as the X-Men back in the right, 80s. Right, But, you know, the Titans were very popular and I think they have that potential and I, I'm glad to see these characters again. Very excited about this book. This is one that I'm going to check out and, and determine, you know, what's going on with it pretty, pretty intently over the first month or so. Well, and I love the idea that we have the Titans that are the classics, and then we also have the Teen Titans that takes the original concept and is kind of making something that the kids of today can get. The yes. thing is, if you're doing a Teen Titans comic, I really feel like it needs to be uh, not people's heads getting cut off and and sexuality and like if you're gonna do a teen titans comic let's make it something that kids can read 
I'm so sick of, and it doesn't have to be a kid's comic. You can be entertaining without being graphic. Absolutely, you can. And I think DC should be aware of that, and I doubt they will be. Yeah, this is the company that has made a lot of money on sex and death. Right, and and you know, and, and I I dug it more than a lot, but Batman versus Superman is clear evidence of that. Uh, Flash, which you'd think would be another book that DC would put a lot of emphasis on. And look, I'm not trying to discredit the guys that are working on this book because what I see looks interesting. It looks fun. But the way that it's positioned in this catalog, it's sharing a half page with Titans. <laughs> it's not a priority book to them. And and it's Joshua Williamson and Carmine D. Gian Domenico, my gosh, uh, who I'm not familiar with, but who could put out a fantastic book. You know, sometimes, a lot of times, actually, new creators are a great thing because they're bringing a new take. They're doing something that you're not familiar with because a lot of creators are kind of known for, like Grant Morrison, oh, it's going to be weird and confusing. Uh, you know, there are a lot of creators that you kind of know what to expect from them. And with this, it's it's new stuff. We don't know what to expect. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, they have the story is a serial killer that only murders speedsters. Uh, very interesting. And, and it is a mystery, which which I like. But yeah, I like the fact that they're bringing attention or they haven't forgotten that Barry is a cop. Yes. But, uh, you know, it's just not positioned as the tentpole that I think it should be considering the success and the adoration surrounding the flash television show. And, and can we also include with that along with that arrow too? uh green arrow is kind of the same in the same boat. I look at it and I'm like, Oh, they, he's got this goatee back. Um, but I'm not, and I love the series. Well, arrow but- arrow is sharing a page with cyborg and hellblazer. So it, it doesn't even have half a page to itself. <laughs> with one guy who never had a show and one guy that got a show canceled. Um, right. Like, to me, <laughs> Flash and Arrow, if anything, they can share a page. Give us some, uh, you know, a sexy writer on it, uh, uh, our team or whatever, and, and let's, like, see what they can do. Um, or make a big deal of the fact that it's new guys. You know, you, yes. you can play it both ways if you're smart and you know how to market stuff. I think uh, this hasn't happened so much with the Flash, but with the new Fifty Two Arrow, Green Arrow, we'll say, uh, really was kind of bumpy. It seemed like they were changing creative teams with almost every story arc. Uh, I picked up the uh, Jeff Lemire run, which was awesome. That's what I've and, heard. And then I I dumped it. Uh, I was like, okay, they're not really you know picking up on this, and and I just uh, you know it was one of those ones that just start, stop, start, stop. And just when the a team would get hot, it seemed like they'd replace him. Um, so maybe because of these, uh, I don't know who these uh, talents are that are on these books. So maybe they're going to have some more consistency. But looking at them, the art that I'm seeing on the books, the the the, the write ups, the the art teams just isn't enough to make me uh, get go there on the first day. Which is a shame because I love the series. So I would love to follow. And I'm not saying that the series have to follow the show. Right. 
I like Green Arrow. I mean, I've read some really good runs of Green Arrow. I, I've, I'm a big fan of the Longbow Hunters, uh, that miniseries, uh, the Kevin Smith run, which turned into Judd Winnick and, and all that. I was there for all that. I kind of petered out sometime after Judd Winnick, I think. Um, but I've, I've read Ollie and I do enjoy him a lot. Um, but I haven't as much in the new 52 and they've tried to make him a little bit more like the series. They've introduced Diggle. I think they're, if they haven't already, I've heard they're going to introduce, um, uh, I can't think of her name now. The most miserable woman in the world. Smoke. Felicity. Yes. My gosh, has she become such a drag? How in the world (laughs) as <laughs> the most endearing character on television turned into somebody that I just want to go away. I, 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 the series is, is doing some weird things. I think it's better than last season, but that's neither here nor there as far as what we're talking about. Um, the bottom line is I, I, these books, I want to, I want to give them props. I want to be excited by them. I like the shows, but they're not, they're not helping themselves with the comics. And, and it's not, like I said, it's not about the guys that are making them. It's no, about no. the way DC is positioning them. No. And, you know, in fact, I'd love it if they put me on a book. But to be honest, they put me on a book, the, the, the same thing would happen. That some guy would look at the <laughs> Mike, Gordon. Mike Gordon guy. What's he done? Who is this you know? bozo? And, yeah, well, I'm not excited by this, so I get it, you know. Um, Which would be the wrong reaction, I'm here to tell you. <laughs> I, I wish them well. I hope it's good stuff, and I hope that, you know, a year later when we're talking about this, we'll be at successes or whatever, we'll, we'll be like, you know, that series is awesome. They're really knocking it out of the park. You put DC Comics, I'll tell you this right now. I'm going to do you a favor, DC Comics. You put Mike Gordon on a book called Astounding Tales of the Batman. <laughs> money critical acclaim dc's future will be insured <laughs> make it happen from, all right from, from your lips to there is <laughs> so uh i'm we're gonna skip over harley quinn because that's one of the few titles that nothing is changing on and uh, it shouldn't don't no it shouldn't fix, it don't totally fix what's not broken i i love it it's yep. one of my it's one of my top of my stack books yep. every single month uh, Connor and Palmiotti, and uh, I'm so sorry. I cannot remember the Chad Harden. I want to say yeah, is the artist. Good stuff, man. That's a beautiful looking the, book. All right. they are not that good. not that Chad Harden's going to hear this, but Chad Harden. That's how good you are. I remembered your name from my <laughs> I, own brain, and I pronounced it correctly. Yes, and I pronounced it correctly. Although to be fair, Harden is a little bit easier than <laughs> Dekujibberdumberdumber. <laughs> uh, moving on to the world of Green Lantern, I thoroughly enjoyed Cullen Bunn's uh, recent run on um, Sinestro. Uh, no, no, no. I, I I did not read Sinestro. I there's a whole story you guys don't need to hear about why I don't read other Lantern Corps books. Uh, no, he wrote the Lost. Oh gosh, what's it called? It was the oh Green... the Lost Army. Lost Army. Thank you. Loved it. And then he did his five or six issues and left. And I know somebody else picked it up, but I, I like most of what Cullen Bunn writes uh, or everything that I've read from him. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed. But the the Green Lanterns have become a fucking mess since the New Fifty Two. Yes, uh, I as much as I loved Green Lantern and Green Lantern Core, uh, almost right up until New Fifty Two. And I just don't give a shit about anything Lantern-related anymore. 
And, and you know, that's, I, I'm right there with you because I, uh, as I mentioned before, Jeff John started the Sinestro Cold War. I was, I went all in and I was like, Oh, look, there's all these colors of the rings. Everybody's going to have their own book. There's going to be eight books. It's going to be like a huge thing and everybody's great. And now I couldn't care less. No, it's gone I... from me. It's gone from being at the top of my stack to, eh, whatever. And, Unfortunately, what I'm seeing here in the solicits doesn't doesn't thrill me either. No, it doesn't. It has, you know, you've got in the main book, and I get it. I, I understand the political and social environment that we're in, but Simon Baz and Jessica Cruz are not going to sell the main Green Lantern title. Give them, you know, their, when give you, them their own book. Give when, them their own book, and that's fine. But when you, you need when you think of Green Lanterns, those are not the two. They're not even in the top ten of who you think of. No, and and I don't think it's dumb of DC to give them a book. Uh, put them, you know, make them the main lanterns in Green Lanterns. Lantern. <laughs> brought yeah. Well, anyway, make them the main lanterns in Green Lantern Corps or, or whatever. But they've positioned them in Justice League. Uh, I understand the the appeal of legacy characters. I love legacy characters, and I think that's one huge advantage that DC has over Marvel, although Marvel is catching up. Uh, but the main Lantern book, if you're really trying to make peace with the fans, you're really trying to sell issues, it's got to be Hal or it's got to be Jon Stewart. I think... In this day and age, mm-hmm. those are the two guys. Uh, and I would go so far as to say a, a Green Lantern book with Jon Stewart would have set the world on fire. I, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think that would have been the smartest thing that they could have done. Because you have a whole generation that grew up with Jon Stewart as their Green Lantern thanks to the Justice League cartoon. Yep. So I this this is a mess. Uh Hopefully, good things will come out of it. Hopefully, smart decisions will be made. Uh, but I am not interested at all, and we're we're running out of show, so we need to move on. <laughs> yeah. uh, we have Dick Grayson is going to be Nightwing again. Woohoo! I am cool with that. I, I am read, absolutely. I'm very cool with uh, Tim Seeley getting the book too. Yes, because I I read several issues of Grayson. I did not drop it because it was bad. I dropped it because I just can't damn buy everything. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Tim Seeley dating back to his days of working on G.I. Joe for DDP and then followed him to Hack Slash, which is one of my favorite horror comics of all time. I love Tim Seeley's work. Uh, I love um, Revival. Fantastic book, if you've not read it from Image. Uh, just absolutely wonderful book. Uh, so I'm I'm thrilled to see Seeley on a for real superhero book. I think Nightwing's going to be strong. I'm excited. I, I don't disagree. I, I I'm welcome to dick back into the fold. And then we have Jason Todd, who not getting his own book, but Red Hood and the Outlaws, with a very interesting take because it's basically Trinity, but it's sort of the outcast versions. You have Bizarro, Jason Todd, and Artemis. Yeah. I think that's a very interesting concept. And I, it's, like I said, I can't buy everything. I just can't. But I will be keeping an eye on the book. Because I like, uh, since Jason Todd has kind of been rehabbed as Red Hood, I really like the character. And, uh, Bizarro, you know, he's, 
depending on what you do with Bizarro, you can take him or leave him. And then Artemis, I think there's a lot of good story there. The, 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 the jealous, you know, almost was, or maybe once upon a time was, we don't know what, what they're going to, what route they're going to go with that. Although I don't care for the fact that she looks like Shatterstar. I, I, I hate to be that guy, uh, that, that, that fan, but, um, I was only a fan of Jason when he died. And I, I have never, I have never appreciated, I didn't appreciate him at all when he was alive. And when he came back again, I appreciated him even less. And I'm just not a fan. I, I like his current character. I particularly like, did you, uh, did you watch Under the Red Hood, the animated one? I did. I thought that was fun. But Jensen I, Ackles as yeah. Jason. Yeah. I, I, there was some fun moments in that for sure, but, uh, I don't care for that. Just game. not adjacent. That's okay. Not everything's for everyone. Yep, I agree. Eve, it's it's okay to disagree with Mike Gordon. I know <laughs> that seems ridiculous. It but, is absolutely uh, okay. In fact, it's somewhat encouraged by that. <laughs> so we have Aquaman, and I, unlike you, did not follow Aquaman into the New 52. I just – it almost seemed like there was too much hype. Like they were trying too hard. No, he's going to be cool this time. And I, I just couldn't get on board. But now we have Dan Abnett writing Aquaman, and that excites me. I, uh, I, I enjoyed Aquaman when Jeff Johns was writing it with the New 52. Uh, when it went over to Jeff Parker, I loved it. It was even more of a step up. Uh, Cullen Bunn took over for after that, and it, it, it was okay. Um, but obviously I think Cullen was getting a little tired of – some of the stuff that he was dealing with with DC, so that's sure. why. Um, it, so I don't, you know, it didn't. It it it, it was what it was, and uh, now Dan, Dan's coming. So I like the character. Um, I like the writer. Uh, I'm going to be getting this in trade for sure. Yeah, it looks like good stuff, and I'm excited to see Black Manta as Black Manta. Like he's the villain. <laughs> he's the threat. It feels classic. Yeah. Like the image that they've got uh, with. The trident going into Black Manta's uh, eyepiece and the harpoon going into Aquaman's neck. Like I like these two classic enemies at odds again. Like yeah, you mentioned it at the at the beginning when we talked about Super Friends. I mean, those challenge of the Super Friends, Legion of Doom, yes. hero versus villain. Those stick with you. Yes, and all DC has to do is put two of those guys against each other, villain and hero on the cover. And we're so we, like, it's almost like in our DNA, it's like, we have to like, we're interested in this because, because super friends. Uh, I'm not as excited about what they've done with Batgirl. I thoroughly enjoyed Babstar, Cameron Stewart and, oh gosh, I always leave someone out when there's a three person team. Uh, but the creative team that brought us the Batgirl of Burnside. Yeah. I love that book. It was another one that was near the top of the stack every single month. And I understand, you know, maybe that creative team had run its course. But now we have a new thing happening that doesn't sound as interesting to me. Barbara traveling the world. And then over in Birds of Prey, which I, I would be very excited for a new Birds of Prey book. We have Black Canary, Huntress, and Batgirl. Great team. I do like the iterations. Well, 
I like what we saw of Batgirl and of Black Canary at the end of the New 52. Huntress had that fantastic miniseries early on in the New 52 that led into the Earth 2 book. Uh, but this is not that Huntress. This is not that Huntress. This is the uh, Huntress from Grayson. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I want to like this. I want to be excited about it. But Same I just, characters, different dynamic. Right. I, I just don't know. And I'm really not crazy about the fact that this Oracle story from the Batgirl comic is still going. <laughs> because this was the first story arc of the the Batgirl of Burnside and it's still really come on let's let's do something new because that got tiresome within that book uh I don't know I'm just not I'm not into it I would re- I would prefer a fresh start Finally do you have any thoughts about the ladies um, absolutely. I, I actually, I don't. Um, I dropped Batgirl after Gale left. Um, and I've been meaning to pick up the, uh, the run after that. Uh, I just haven't got around to it. So I, I'm not, I'm not as familiar with her now. I'll let you borrow it. Um, and, uh, she, it, look, I, I, she's an important character, I think. And she's, you know, um, I, I like the birds of prey concept. I, I'm, I'm curious to see where this will go, but it's one of those ones that I'll keep an eye on, but I, I'm not going to commit either way. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. Uh, and finally, our last page, Hard Luck Heroes, where we have, uh, we mentioned before, Green Arrow, Cyborg, and Hellblazer. Which, oh boy. <laughs> poor, uh, poor Ollie, we covered that pretty much. Cyborg, look, you guys need to... Th- fish or cut bait, shit or get off the pot, whatever the appropriate terminology is, I think Cyborg could be the superstar character that DC wants him to be. But man, they got to stick with it. And again, just like with Flash and Green Arrow, this is not sticking with it. This is Cyborg stuck in the very back, sharing a page with two other guys. You know, I, I... I am not typically a fan of forced diversity, but the Justice League is way too white. They really do need to get some other faces on that team. And if you're not going to, you know, they, they added the two lanterns that, you know, nobody gives a shit about instead of adding John Stewart, which I don't understand at all. Uh, but you know, get Cyborg on there, but you got to treat the guy right. You can't just shoehorn him on there and expect people to respond. You've got to treat him like the top-tier character that you want him to be. And I think embracing the characterization that we've seen in the cartoons would be a good idea. And obviously, you don't make him cartoony, but you make him the the funny but kind of nerdy guy like they, they they could do so much with cyborg and i feel like everything they do with him is almost obligatory i i definitely uh, get where you're coming from and it's difficult for me, me as a white male to sort of argue uh anything against using cyborg just because it just feels like i don't have that right well right we i mean honestly um, as white dudes we barely have a place <laughs> in this conversation i know but- however let me just say that I, I, I have never been against Vic's, uh, Victor's, uh, um, 
promotion to the Justice League, but in doing so, it caused, I think, character-wise, two issue, two things that I miss. It seemed to come, obviously, um, without um, any regard for his place in Teen Titans, because I thought he was an integral part of that team. There was a dynamic there that he, he had a role there that, that, that since he's been gone, it, it still, you know, I don't know what, I don't know if he'll have any place in the Titans book, but I feel like he won't just because he's, now he's moved up, so now he's a Justice Leaguer. Right. And, and so I, I do miss that. Plus, I also feel that, um, Cyborg's inclusion into the Justice League has come at the expense of Martian Manhunter. And Martian Manhunter was one of my favorite characters uh, uh, throughout all the abysmal uh, leagues that we got, uh, because he <laughs> was the he was the guy that was kind of keeping it together, right. the leader, if you will. While everybody else had their own book, you know, he was on the satellite making sure that the league stuff got done. And his own book, I thought, was really good too. I've always liked the character a lot. Uh, certainly. Um, even Darwin Cook when in New Frontier, he's great in that book. He's great in that story as well. He's a great character, but yet New Fifty Two comes along. He's not in the Justice League. He his own book is abysmal. Sorry for anybody who's re, who's a part of that book, uh, but they've just done John a disservice. Uh, and uh, you know we've said it regarding Supergirl, but if you are DC, if you are listening, if you have any sort of scratch your head, like what do we do with John Jones? Watch Supergirl. You'll know who that yeah. character is again, and you'll be able to fit him in somewhere. He belongs on the Justice League. Just because, just because you got one, you know, black dude doesn't mean you can't have John on there. Um, I, I don't understand that rationale. Um, he's he, he's in his history. He's earned that spot, and uh, he just got bumped, and they're not doing anything with him. And I don't see any plans for him with this rebirth either. Well, what's funny. Is if you look at, and, and I'm referring here to the recent Justice League versus Teen Titans animated movie that, that Which came I haven't out. seen yet. Uh, it's, it's it's great, and I've, it is uh, it is part of the Batman and Son continuity, which is becoming a, a thing unto itself with with four features now. Yes, but it's funny to me how well, and granted, the people producing the animated features do not have the burden of producing monthly stories but they're handling these characters so much better uh and and they get it well they do get it justice league versus teen titans cyborg they tell his story it makes sense and i don't understand why they can't do that with that cyborg in the comics i don't want to give away exactly what happens but it makes sense it's 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 not even genius it's just well yes that's what you do uh, and it, and it, in a certain way, it incorporates uh, the character as he's portrayed in the comics, as he's portrayed on the Teen Titans cartoon, and as he's classically portrayed from the old, you know, Teen Titan comics. It it brings everything together in such a satisfying way, and I don't get why DC can't publish that. But uh, that's enough discussion about a guy who barely warrants a third of a page. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to finish up with poor old John Constantine. Uh wow. That guy the real the real John Constantine, the narrative John Constantine has been 
almost as fraught with problems as the published John Constantine. I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say. The character has had as much of a shit life as his publication has had lately. But it looks like they're trying to get back on track. The The teaser panel is him smoking a cigarette. Clearly they get it. It's not the silly art anymore. And look, I don't want to disparage artists that have a cartoony style because I dig that stuff a lot in the right context. But John Constantine, Hellblazer, is a dark, gritty comic. It could be fun at times, but the artistic style needs to be a certain thing, and cartoony is not it. Uh, And it looks like this is a, a little more grounded John Constantine, but we really don't know anything about it. Because we have less than a paragraph about what this book is going to be. Uh, it's written by Simon Oliver and art by Moritat, who I know I just started, I know I just finished talking about cartoony stuff, but Moritat, I don't look at it as cartoony so much as classic comic book. No, I think the art, you know, the art's in good hands with Moritat. Right. Exactly. Um, you don't know what we're going to get out of this. Uh, obviously, you know, Hellblazer DC is going to be a, uh, cleaner version than I think anybody wants him to be. Which is uh, funny because we talk all the time about how DC comics are too extreme and too graphic <laughs> now. But when it comes to Hellblazer, they for some reason put handcuffs on them as far as what can be depicted. Well, and even as much as you say like dark and whatever, I mean, Constantine it has a history of taking it to a whole new level. But I think there's a way of doing that within the DCU uh, without being gratuitous. I think he can fit into the DCU in the right hands. The only thing I I really appreciate about this uh, book is that two things. One, it it means that, because I think it's the only thing from DC, from Rebirth, that we're getting that's part of the magical universe. And I think that the DC magical part of their universe is one of their uh awesome uh aspects yes always been handled very well absolutely great great stories and i think they you know if i may be so bold because i don't like to usually pull this card but i think it's one thing that dc definitely has over marvel the magic the magic universe of dc is a wondrous place I don't. I think at times they've really uh, had single books that have really made that clear. They have a difficult time putting it together in a way that really makes it outstanding. Because um, I think at some point we could get a really good uh, TV series or movies out of, out of these. But um, well, here's uh, here's the thing. Here's one. Uh, one indicator or, or one mark of DC magic that to me makes it so critical is Superman does not have a lot of weaknesses, but magic is one of them. And that alone to me suggests how big magic is in the DC universe. Yes. Very good point. Very good point. Um, secondly, about this Constantine book is uh, they are, re- you know, talk about rebirth, going to the roots and everything. They really are doing this with Constantine. I think the first arc has uh, a lot to do with his, I think he teams up with Swamp Thing, with his, the origins of that character. 
Uh, it ties into some some Swamp Thing storylines uh, with some characters there. So they're really kind of reaching back as to what made Constantine, uh, Hellblazer, Constantine, whatever, what put him on the map with his uh, Swamp Thing run, his introduction there. They're really going back and, and trying to address that and, and coming at it like from that place again. Well, and, and so by, by the way, Swamp Thing fans, that's a pretty cool thing because there's no Swamp Thing in this in this rebirth either, which is unfortunate because the current Swamp Thing book, the miniseries, uh, is very good. It is completely continuity free. You can pick it up and read it and enjoy it. It is not mired in the New Fifty Two need to explain everything. It's just a good Swamp Thing book with beautiful art. Uh, which you know, what do you want more than that? Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely think that there's uh, some hope for the Hellblazer book. Um, we'll just have to see how that goes. I imagine it's going to be one of those ones that they keep an eye on, and if it doesn't do well, they will they may switch it up in terms of creators and give it another shot, but then if not, then it'll probably go away. It, well, it seems like John's actually survived a lot. Like, Yes. You're right. Like It seems like there's like we never go without a Hellblazer or Constantine book for very long. So they'll they'll retool him and try to put some team on it until they'll keep running that play until they get it right, right? <laughs> which is a, which is a funny thing because uh, you know if you sat down and you made a list of DC characters that must always have a book, <laughs> I don't think he'd be on it. Yeah, but I, I, he some, does. Sometimes I wonder if it's one of those legal things. That it's like, well, we have to keep having him a book, or else right. Alan Moore will take him back. Right, right. Well, it's, <laughs> you know what? That's entirely possible. Uh, all right, so that covers uh, to to some extent or another every single one of the Rebirth books that has thus far been announced by DC. Now they have made it clear that much like the New Fifty Two, uh, new things will launch. Uh, different things will happen. There will be miniseries. There will be new books over the course of the next year or so. You know, and there will also be some overlap. Um, there's a lot of new 52 books that haven't ended yet. Right, right. So they will be on their last few issues while the Rebirth stuff happens. So it's not a clean – it's not like new 52. It's not a clean break. But is anybody uh, buying that crap anymore anyway? Well, that – yeah. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, who's going to buy Deathstroke number 20, right? <laughs> um, so – we got to close this thing out, but before we go, uh, I want you to tell me the top five books that you're most excited for, or or I guess the ones that you know for sure you're going to pick up. That Yeah, I mean, to me it was pretty easy because, like I said, I made a, a decision to collect most of the books in trade or to switch to trade to a lot of books, but there are five titles for sure that I will be picking up uh, monthly until it becomes, you know, uh, or at least every two weeks, uh, until, um, it becomes, um, tiresome to do so. Right, right. Um, and we're gonna start with, um, uh, Detective Comics. Uh, just, I like the team aspect of that. Uh, it's Team Batman. I've always liked Team Batman, even if Batman's not there. We already talked about Gotham. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that, that book's, uh, is gonna be on my list. Uh, Trinity. Uh, I know, you know, we'll see how the story goes, but I know it's going to be beautiful looking, and I love these three characters working together. They are the main team, the main uh, threesome, if you will, of the DCU. The and, core, the core. Uh, yeah, the core. They are they are the top of the top. 
Um, and uh, I hope this book does them justice. Um, Wonder Woman, we've already mentioned, it's a dream team uh, at the helm, uh, and it's a great character. It's a great time to be a fan. Uh, I, I expect good things out of this book, and I don't think I'll be disappointed. Um, Batman, um, I, I am very excited to see what Tom King has in store. Um, the art is going to be solid. Um, you know, it's going to, it's going to look great. It's probably going to, you know, hopefully it'll read well. And, uh, I will, um, be collecting it just as I always have been and, uh, loving it. And then finally, uh, all-star Batman, uh, Scott Snyder is still on the books. And as far as I'm concerned, that's where he belongs. Um, I, I'm very excited by his take on reinventing the, the, the villains to see his takes on those, uh, hopefully he'll give us something new. Hopefully he won't ruin them. I, I, I have faith in him, uh, that, uh, it won't be. And, you know, even if he does some experimenting and, and something goes amiss, I know they can correct it with just a simple, you know, storyline, like, uh, what they did with Richie's, uh, brother. So, um, uh, those, those are the, those are the five books that I will be checking out as soon as they hit the stands. They will be waiting for me when I go into my comic shop and they will be on the top of the stack. Uh, they will be my only stack really when I get home. So, uh, those are the books, everything else I'm, I'm keeping an eye out on. I'm, 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 you know, there's some books more than others, of course. Uh, and I will be collecting trades and, uh, um, I, I'm I'm overall excited. I, I do think that there's a lot of good stuff here. Um, it's not all as good as I'd like, but I do think there's a lot of potential here, and uh, um, I, I'm very excited. Uh, yeah, I, that's my overall feeling is one of excitement and and hopefulness. Uh, and my books are Wonder Woman. That that is the one. As I said, that's my money title. That's the one that I'm counting on to be cream of the crop top of my stack of all publishers as it comes out uh detective comics i'm very excited about as you said i love the idea of batman and batwoman working together to lead this team i think it's very exciting i think it's something a little different for batman and i think it's as close as we're going to get to batman incorporated which i i'm still bummed out we lost that concept uh, where I, is Bat Cow? Yes, where is Bat Cow? Damn it! Uh, but no, I, I well, just the the international Batman society. I, I loved that idea of of Bruce Wayne comes out as the guy backing Batman, and Batman becomes a worldwide. I I, I really dug that, and it just kind of stopped. We never even got a resolution to to to. Well, why isn't this happening anymore? Uh, Deathstroke. Totally because of Christopher Priest. I, I'm dying to see what he does with a name, a, a name that DC, you know, for, for one reason or another, through the animation, through the Arrow television show, has become bigger than it once was. And what I would really love is for Deathstroke to be a huge hit and for Priest to finally get a shot at one of the big heroes. Uh, at Batman, at Superman, uh, I, I would love to see what he could do. It would be very interesting. It's just something I would like to see. Yeah. Um, Trinity, I'm very excited about just because of that one paragraph about Superman, but also because, and look, Marvel is what got me collecting comics, but Marvel does not have any superheroes that compare with the name value 
of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. They just do not. I have high hopes for this book. I think it's going to be exciting. Uh, hopefully it can be a, a big tentpole book for DC, something that they can you know, show to people like, wow, look what DC Comics can be. Very excited about that. And finally, All-Star Batman. Scott Snyder, I get fatigued on that guy. But hopefully doing shorter arcs of five or six issues and rotating these artists and changing the feel of the stories. Because I'll tell you honestly, I love Greg Capullo. Uh, I I have a tattoo of Angela, and I very specifically chose Greg Capullo's Angela over Todd McFarlane's because I like his style better. I'm a huge fan of his work, but I feel like he and I both got fatigued on Batman. And I like the idea of Snyder working with a, a different cast of creators over the course of the comic. So where is Greg? Uh, I do not know. With Rebirth, he is not. He's not there. But I mean, the dude's been working on Batman for. I know, uh, but five... he's got. They must be keeping something close to the vest because he's got to be. They can't. DC can't be letting him go. What would you like to see Greg Capullo working on? What would you put him on if it was up to you? Um, you know, okay, I'll go ahead and say it. I would put him on a dead man book. <laughs> I don't think I can top that. <laughs> I, I really don't think I can top that because that would be amazing. I uh, would. That, I, that would be outstanding. In fact, I. I yeah. I, yeah. Good for you because I knew it had to be something dark. Um, but yet action oriented because a magic book would be, you know, I mean, he plays the dark thing, but yeah. he's also really good with the action sequences. I would put, and I don't, and, and you know, it's, it's funny that you say that too, because he's, you know, he really kind of is not in his style, but just the, his influence and everything. He is kind of like a modern day Neil Adams. Yes. I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah, not stylistically, no, but just in the way that he owns the characters he's drawing. Right, and the same way Neil took Dead Man, I could see Greg making that his own, uh, and just you'd be like, "Oh my God, I have to get this book just because it's Greg doing Dead Man." Wow. I don't now know. if he doesn't do anything else, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> I don't know what writer I would put on that though. It would have to be somebody. It would have to be funny. me. Mike it Gordon? Would, it would have to be me. Mike Gordon on Dead Man and on the, the <laughs> astounding adventures it. of Batman. That's, be, that's because, that, because, let's face it, if they put me on Dead Man with Greg Capullo, no one would give a shit that I would. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, I don't know who this writer is, but holy shit, it's Greg Capullo. <laughs> All right. Well, Mike Gordon, future writer of Batman and of Dead Man. Thank you so much for coming on and providing your insight about. Bring back uh, Brave and the Bold, buddy. <laughs> Thank it's been a it's been a treat, man. I, I I I'm I'm glad that we got a t chance to talk about this. I'm excited about Rebirth. I know a lot of fans are not, a lot of retailers are not. Yeah, uh, they feel like they've been burned I one know. too many times. I and understand. I, I'm hoping for good things. I, I try to always look to the positive, and to me, there's a lot to look forward to in this. Well, what I would like to do is, and, and we were supposed to be joined by uh, Brian Blaze on this show, who is a wrestler and a huge comic book fan, uh, but he had a work thing, which, believe me, I more than understand. But what I would like to do is reconvene probably in October 
once all of the books that have been announced have hit and talk about what happened. Yeah. I, where, yeah, the State of the Union. Yes. Although you and I will certainly uh, get together between now and then to talk. Well, we've you and I have a, another James Bond episode to record. Awesome. Yes. That, I am looking forward to that already. Mike Gordon, where can we find you online? You can find me uh, weekly at the Earth Station One podcast. That's EarthStationOnePodcast.com, uh, where you can hear me spout more of this type of nonsense. Uh, also, um, uh, I've got uh, a publishing arm uh, that I uh, flex from time to time, and that is at NewLegendProductions.com. Uh, very excited. Uh, the, we've got some comics coming out very soon that I'm, I'm very excited about. You can see a preview of that pretty soon at Free Comic Book Day. If you're going to be in Greenville, uh, stop by uh, Borderlands and uh, come see me. We can talk about DC Comics Rebirth some more, as well as my own book. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you, sir. I love talking to good old Mike Gordon. What's better than that, really? Well, okay, maybe there are things that are better than that, but I can't think of any right now off the top of my head. What a great guy with full of insight. Uh, we were supposed to have a buddy of mine, Brian Blaze, on the show, and it didn't work out schedule-wise, but I want to get him in here sometime to talk comic books. Maybe uh, in August, once Rebirth has happened and we've had a chance to take it in and decide whether or not DC actually made any good significant changes. That would be cool. Next week, me and Beth and Chad are going to be talking X-Men comics, movies, a little bit about the cartoon, because you can't leave that out. It's a great show. You guys, be sure to tune in. Be sure to spread the word. Remember, that's the most important thing. Spread the word. Spread the love. Spread the needless love. Uh, next week's episode, just because I don't think I'll address it next week, so you guys that stick around and listen to the outro, recorded in two parts. We actually started a few weeks ago because I wanted to do it earlier because it wasn't necessarily going to pertain to Apocalypse, but I had a power outage at the house, and I thought I lost the whole episode. And thankfully, through the magic of the Amalto call recorder, which is what I use, plug, they deserve it, it had the file saved as kind of a temporary or backup or something, but even though I lost the power, everything we'd recorded up to that point was saved. So we got back on, recorded another half hour or so, and finished it out, talked about Apocalypse. It'll be here next week. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. And of course... It's at needlessthingssite.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.